Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 180. Oh, I think this is 184. Actually, I, I have 182 written down. Of the yeah, 184 of the Classic Gaming Podcast. Uh, today's date is November 20th, 2022. I'm Robert Ring. With me, as always, is Mr. J. Totoro. Hi. What's up, bro? Not much. What's new with you? Um, not much. Yeah? Yeah, no, nothing... There's there's really not much really just kind of getting ready for Thanksgiving, you yep. know, and all you know the, all the rest of the year stuff, but uh yeah, I am right there with you. It is a uh, going to be a super busy time the rest of the year. So, yep, we got the heater. We got the heaters going. I guess, dude, me too. Oh, do you? Okay, I was about to say like, 100%. do you even have heaters in Arizona? I guess you do. It was, it was so cold, cold the last couple weeks. It, it got. I mean, it's cold here. It was like in the fifties ish, and it, I think it got a little bit lower at night. But oh my god, it was so fucking cold. Yeah, I had to turn the heat just to like break the. What do they call it? Like break the chill. Break the chill. <laughs> yeah, it's like that. when your house when your house is like. It, when it's cold outside for a while and you don't have the heat on your house gets like a chill to it and then you like turn on the heat just to like shake it off and then usually the heated air can like keep the house warm for a while they call it it's squirting the chill i think it was oh squirting sorry i always mix that up squirting the chill and breaking the chill apologies <laughs> where we are in a I, I think I've mentioned it we're doing some renovations on our house on our yeah. house and we're in a rental right now uh and there, like one of the doors just does not have a weather seal. What? Uh, like in what the, universe? I know. <laughs> it's like the back door, to and which is which is where the living room is. So I went down once it got really cold. I went down one morning and it was just freezing down there. And I walked over and you can just feel cold air rushing oh, the draft. In from yeah, this door. Uh, so I just like went and grabbed a weather strip. It was actually really easy to install. And it oh, made, that's good. At least it made like an ins- like it took like a minute to install and just co- and completely fix the problem. It was almost it was kind of miraculous. That's actually dope. I mean, at the end of the day, I'm glad you're able to. Fit. I, I do a lot of like shit like that around my house and just any anything that I can do on my own, I really enjoy doing. So like, yeah, that and that's such an obvious one too. Lisa and I had that problem in our old house, not with heating but cooling. Uh, we would waste a lot of money, a lot of money AC because there was a crack for, or not crack, but there was a opening fire back door. Oh yeah, sure. So, well, as usual lately, I don't have much news wise, although there is like, I guess this is sort of news and more just like, Oh, did you hear about this? But, uh, you hear about this? so they released an Atari, forgot exactly what it's called. It's like 50th anniversary collection. And <laughs> I wasn't too interested in this at first because I was like, you know, I, like I don't really, I didn't really know too much about it. Uh, w- one funny thing is it says that it has more than 90 games on it. Okay. Oh no. However, there's, they don't give you any list of what games are on it. <laughs> <It's> what? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's just, Hey, we got 90 games. Oh, um, but, but you know, you know what? That's good marketing, though, because what is your next question? Oh, and then somewhere else in the in their promotional material, it says over a hundred games. But but after you hear that number, what is the first? What is your follow up question? What which games are they? Ah, uh, you're hooked. You're buying it. It's over. <laughs> it worked. Uh and it's not just Atari twenty six hundred. It's got Atari twenty six hundred, fifty two hundred, seventy eight hundred. Uh, Atari 8-bit computers, 
Atari Lynx and Atari Jaguar, which, okay, I'm reading that. I'm like getting a little bit more interested, a little bit more interested. Then I start hearing like amazing reviews of it. Amazing reviews. Yes. Like evidence, evidently the, this is made by the same team that made the Ninja Turtles Cowabunga collection. So once again, my interest is, is still going up now. Um, it's almost presented in kind of a timeline format where they did, they like went and found some of the original creators of the Atari or just of Atari and, uh, like did all these new interviews with them. So there's, there's a lot of historical material, a lot of artwork, and then a lot of like video interviews with these guys who like started the company back in the day. And it's presented in a way it's kind of like you go through a timeline, you can read about this and that, watch interviews, and then it'll, and then it's like here's a game, and then you can play a game, uh, and it kind of goes through. It's presented like in a historical timeline format, the way like you you find and select which games you want to play. Uh, my understanding is like all the historical material that's there is like really interesting, really well done. the The interviews are really really good. And the games are actually good too. And the fact that it gets into Atari Lynx, Atari Jaguar, you know, 7800, the 8 bit computers, all that kind of stuff is actually really cool. So, this, like, it sounds like they absolutely nailed it with this, despite, you know, everything going against it, perhaps. Um, which is, I guess, things that are going against it is Atari nowadays, the company kind of sucks. Um, and also, what was the other thing I was going to say? Oh, the fact that they're like, there's 100 games. <laughs> That's it. That's so um, funny. But it's, uh, supposedly, this is actually really, really, really good. So uh, just just heads up to everybody that this is out there and available. Uh, I actually, I haven't played it. I did go ahead and, uh, ahead and buy it. I went ahead and bought it. Um, but I haven't played it yet. But uh, I, I'm very excited to do so. What What are people saying that's making it so good? What is... Just the quality of all, really the quality of all the historical stuff that they have on there. Like, lots of really interesting information. Like I said, the interviews were evidently really well done. And, like, the people that they interviewed really gave a lot of, like, good stuff. Um, And I I think it probably also, I'm pretty sure it also has, you know, like, box art, maybe some manuals, maybe some, like, promotional material, just like the Cowabunga Collection did. Like, it's they've got, like, in that one, they've got, like, magazine ads that you can flip through and all this kind of stuff. Um, this, this, the developer digital eclipse, they evidently just have gotten really, really good at, at finding all the historical things attached to, to games like these and, uh, and putting them together in like a really interesting way. So it sounds like they just, everything about it is, is interesting and really like when I, the, the, the talk that I've heard about it is more focused on how awesome all the information is more so than like, oh yeah, I'm glad I got to play this in that game. It's, it's more like. Wow, they really did a great job with this. Oh yeah, also you get to play a hundred games. That's kind of crazy, to be honest. I, I would think like something like that would just be a big cash grab. Yeah, yeah, and it wouldn't be very good. That'd be my my thought. You yeah, would think so, but um, like I said, based on all I've heard, also based on the fact that it's Digital Eclipse, which did the Cowabunga Collection, which I was extremely impressed with. Uh, I'm I'm excited to to try this out eventually. How impressed would you say you were with the Calabunga bundle? Is this a you're setting this up like it's a joke? 
Uh, it's not. Okay. I just want to, <laughs> like a... to hear you say it again. This is not a nuts joke, if that's where you thought this was going. <laughs> yeah, I thought this was going to be a D's nuts joke. You're, you're, getting, you're getting paranoid. You're getting really paranoid. I am. I was, I was extremely impressed with it. Why? I just want to hear you say extremely impressed again. Why? Because you said it a couple times. Oh, did I? Oh, okay, okay, okay. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't know what was going on just then. It's okay. It's okay. Uh, thank time. you. Thank you. Uh, but but yeah, that's kind of all the. That's not even really news, but that's all I have for news. Um, we kind of talked briefly about uh, the games that you've been playing. So why don't we go ahead and pick up that, and we'll start off. We'll start our start off. Geez, with you. Why don't you tell us what you've been what you've been up to, Jay, in in your gaming pastime? Yeah, uh, gaming pastime. So uh, we are. A few, can I go ahead and tell everybody? We're, we're, well, we're officially changing the name of the podcast. Pregnant? Oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, we're changing the name of the podcast to the classic "We Only Play Final Fantasy Tactics" uh, <laughs> gaming podcast. That's our new name. That's, it's, it's a working title. It, so. Yeah, it's got the ellipsis in there when you paused. Also, it's you nailed it. Yeah. So, uh, so this episode, uh, Robert. It also has Yasso on the end, but that was part of the <laughs> Shut title. The fuck. <laughs> so, uh, Robert reached. Uh, Robert, let me know that he's been playing Final Fantasy Tactics. Probably what, like a month ago, or maybe yeah, maybe probably. About, came probably out. I probably started. What did you say? When it came out? No, no. When you came out? When I came out? Here. Oh, bro, <laughs> Jesus! That's a sensitive topic. Everything okay? <laughs> I hit a button. You were just like, "Wait, what? No, I'm not gay." Uh, Jesus! I was waiting. To, yeah, I wanted to reveal that on my own terms. Thank you very much. You think I'm trying to get you? This is, you're super paranoid. This is too funny. Okay. One weekend with me, and this is what happened. Okay. Um, I don't remember. Did we talk about? Yeah, we did talk about that because we talked about it in the car. That's right. Yeah, because um, I was like, the second you started talking, about, I was like, now I want to play. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That was when I. That was when I came out. Uh, yes. So you you can all blame Robert. That's where this is going. Um. So essentially, Robert and I had a two and a half three hour car ride together. Uh. And the entire not the entire time, a good chunk of the time, we were talking about Final Fantasy Tactics. <laughs> instead of instead of making fun of one of our friends this time, we <laughs> we true, talked about true, Final that was Fantasy the entirety of it. Well, that, yeah. Uh, and so Robert and I were talking about it, and the entire the entire car ride, I was like, oh, man, I really want to play now. I really want to play. And so after we got back, uh, like a couple days later, I was like, I'm going to start playing Tactics. I, I, You know, it's funny. I tried a couple things to, to scratch the itch, which none of it went well. Um, but it was just funny because I kept trying different things. I'm like, yeah, this is working. I don't feel like playing Tactics. And then, like, the next day I'd be like, all right, let's just, let's just get it done. <laughs> let's just start playing. So... Uh, I decided to play, start playing Final Fantasy Tactics for the umpteenth time. And I say this every time, and I said this to Robert just a few minutes ago. Um, it is insane to me, because every time I play this game, my first thought is, it's probably not that good. I just have a lot of nostalgia for this game. If I play it again, I'm probably going to get bored and quit playing. Could not be further from the truth. I am quite addicted to playing it again, and I want to play it again, because I want to try different builds and different uh, characters and classes. So... With that said, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics is a uh, turn-based tactical RPG. <clears throat> uh, came out in the early it was like 2000, 1999, something like that. Yeah, I'm not sure exactly. But... Googling. Uh, 1997. Couple yourself. Okay. Oh, okay. So June of June of 97. Uh, it is for PlayStation One. Uh, for those of you get, for those of you who are not listening to some of the older episodes, Robert and I, I played this multiple times with podcasts. I think Robert, you've played it one other time. I've played it. Yeah, once. One of the I, was that the did you play like the iOS port when it came out? Yes. Okay. That's the War of the Lions version. 
Yeah, which I will say very, uh, very confidently, almost all the versions. This, excuse me, all the versions I've played are great. Uh, the original PS1 version is probably my favorite, uh, mostly because of the death yell. Uh, to be honest, <laughs> yeah. uh, my favorite version, like the quality version, though, was the PSP, the uh, PlayStation Portable. That's also War of the Lions. It is War of the Lions as well. Okay. Yeah. Um, but the main reason I love it so much is I love the the animation, the um, the cutscenes that they did for that were just so amazing and just absolutely beautiful. And the dialogue and the voice acting, I think, is really good. So I thought that version. Have you played that? You played the War of the Lions one, yeah? Yeah, yeah, because that, that's the one that was on iOS, and that was how I played it first. Yeah. Gotcha. So, um, why is Final Fantasy Tactics such a great game? So, realistically, for me, there's a couple key things that I really enjoy about Final Fantasy Tactics. One, um, the music is sensational. It adds a lot of depth to the quality of the game, in my opinion. Uh, the, there is specific music for obviously certain events, and they do a great job of echoing that. Um, specifically, I, I can kind of relate this to Final Fantasy VII with the boss battle music. Anytime people heard the boss battle music when they were younger, all probably had the same thought of it kind of gets you pumping. Uh, Tactics has that exact same thing. They do a beautiful job of setting up. And, and in the original version of Tactics, one of the things that I appreciate about it, even though I just said. I like the Vita one or the portable version better. This War of the Lions um, is how they do the cutscenes, quote unquote. I'm doing air quotes. Uh, in tactics, it's obviously the actual game itself. You're on a basically um, a big square, and there are tiles that you know kind of give the elevation to the square. It's a surface that all the characters act on, and it's it's mapped out kind of like a chessboard, right? It has all those. It's dissected into a big grid, if you will, with um, with terrain features. Yeah, yeah, with terrain features, it's a good call. And elevation, obviously, is one of those. There's also, like, water and lava and um, other things where certain characters can't get over it unless you have certain movement or uh, jump. There's two different stats, one for distance and one for elevation. Uh, real uh, real I, quick, I just want to also, since we were talking about it, mention that the they do a really good job of giving you different varieties of terrain, like... Where, like, sometimes you're on a place that's, like, in the middle of a town and there's all these houses around. Or sometimes you're, like, on rooftops or, you know, oh, yeah. in, a, in a valley. Or they they, they mix it up and, and give you a lot of different, you know, places with different terrain dynamics. Yeah, they set the mood, right? I, I feel like the, the visual, the setting that they use and the music um, is really great about setting the mood for it. Um, <clears throat> and so what was I going to say before about the grid? Were we talking about before? You were talking about the uh, cutscenes. Oh, the cutscenes. Yeah. So the way they do the cutscenes in the original version is they just use settings on that map. There's not like, um, you know, there are some cutscenes, but for the most part, the story is told by them having the characters, you know, be in a setting and they basically will act out the scene. Um, and it's it's cool. It, it, it's very nice when it transitions from a story scene into a fight because obviously they don't have to change the scene or it doesn't, you know, like that hard transition in some of the older Final Fantasies where you go from a cutscene to a battle scene and, uh, you know, obviously you see the, the graphics transition pretty hard. I do appreciate it because because they utilize that when you go from a cutscene or a storytelling moment into an actual battle, the transition is really smooth, right? Because you're basically seeing what's happening and then you get to interact with it. Yeah. Uh, so all, all that, the dialogue is very well written. Um, it is, I, I really appreciate it. It is more adult than I would say some of the other Final Fantasies. It's one of the things I really appreciate about it. I think it's very well written. Um, and I think the characters have very distinct personalities to them. It's not like <clears throat> teenager-ish. No, it's very adult. It's a, it's kind of a coming of age story. Um, I'm going to talk about the story briefly. So spoilers for like the next maybe like 90 seconds. 
Um, the story is about Ra- how, how do you say how do you say his last? I name? I say Ram. Oh, his last name. I say Beowulf. Beowulf. Okay, I think I think it's how I say it as well. I'm trying to think, but um, yeah. So the, the main character's name is Ramza Beowulf. He is his father was a a very important person, and be, but his mother obviously was not his other sibling. So he's, sorry, I guess it's a terrible way to describe it. His, his mother was not his other sibling. Yeah, he's not his, not his sibling's mother. That's what I was gonna say. So um, he has two two older brothers who have a different mother than him, and for that he's kind of looked down upon uh, because you know I, I don't know. I mean, you know that that's that's kind of the thing. Um, <clears throat> and because of that, he is treated a little bit differently than his brothers. He also has a very like when the game starts, he has a very bright eyed perspective on the world. He thinks you know law and order exists, and that. If bad guys are doing bad things, they generally are bad people and they deserve such things. And also, if, if good people do bad things, they will be treated the same way uh, that a bad person would if they did something bad. And that's kind of like his early mindset. He's very, he's very anytime something happens, he's like, no, that's not how it is. Like, this is how it is. The world is great. It's, it's perfect. We have law. There's order and everything's great. Uh, but then over time, he comes to find out that's not the case. Uh, one of the prime examples of this is his childhood friend, who is not of royalty, uh, Delita. He, he, he is treated as such. He is treated as non-royalty. He's basically an attachment to Ramza, and therefore uh, everybody treats him pretty poorly, and you know, unless Ramza's there, if you will. Uh, at a certain point, his sister is captured, and um, the royal crown, if you will, does very little to help him. They say, no, they reassure him, you know, everything's going to be great, no worries. And then it comes down to they basically get her killed. Actually, they literally kill her, rather, uh, for no apparent, re- no apparent reason other than to get the guy that she's with. And it's kind of like this abrupt shift that happens in the game where Ramza goes from being like that to really starting to understand that the world is kind of fucked and he more or less kind of wants to go his own path. And it's very enjoyable to watch him go through this because early on, you know, you kind of agree with him or you're, you're kind of fed to agree with him. And then there's, again, a very abrupt shift that transitions the game a different direction, which I really appreciate. Again, it kind of goes back to the idea of, of it being more of an adult story. At that same moment, the piece of shit who kills him, uh, or kills uh, Delita's sister, sorry, um, his name is Algus, or there's a couple different uh, uh, versions of his name. I hate him, yeah. not even just because of that, though. <laughs> yeah, well, there's a lot of reasons to hate Algus. Um, and, and so it's it's one of those things where it builds and builds and builds, where Algus is in your party, he's on your side, and then later on he ultimately kills Delita's sister, betrays Ramza, and becomes an absolute sc- uh, snob scumbag. And you get to kill him. And it is one of the most enjoyable uh, fights in the entire game because the entire time, it's a very difficult fight, mind you. Oh, uh, that's but why I hate him. It, yeah. Uh, and the way he plays, by the way, so early in the early game, he is played as a squire, which is basically like a melee hero. When you fight him, uh, when you try to kill him, he's an archer, so he can sit very far back. He has a very, very hefty front line. So it's hard to get to him. And he also has auto potion, which means anytime he takes damage, there's a chance that he will automatically use a potion to heal himself. Is he so an he archer? Be, I didn't remember. I believe so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, I believe so. I'm, I'm pretty darn sure he's an archer, yeah. <clears throat> he at least has a bow, which generally means you have to be an archer, or had to have been an archer. Okay. Uh, anyways, so he basically is just <clears throat> an absolute scumbag, and then he is sitting in the back, and it's just such a brutal battle. Now, for me, yeah, it was really easy. I, I just one-shot him. <laughs> I just blew him up at that. I didn't, I didn't even touch uh, so I'll talk about my comp here in a little bit. My fire, my uh, black mage was just 
doing a lot of damage at that point. And I also had uh, Roms as an Oracle, so he was able to mute everybody else with Don't Act, and I just teed off on him and like killed him in no time flat. I also okay. had a Monk at the time, too. I had so much... This is one of the four... Probably about four battles that I had so much trouble with, because... Wait, wait, wait. Let me... Can I guess the four before you, you jump into it? Yes, I just threw... I just... I'm just estimating four off the top. Okay. I, I wasn't thinking of specific ones off the top of my head, but yeah, go ahead. You can go ahead and guess. I'm gonna guess you have a lot of trouble with the Velius fight. Which one is that? That's the second uh, Zodiac Stone fight. It's the one where he's the Ram and he has the three demons that cast Titan on you. Or Cyclops, uh, I think it's called. Yes. That one, yeah. Okay. Did you have issues with the first WeGraph fight where you're at the windmill? Actually, <laughs> no, you... I did not this time. Uh, how did you How did you do that one? Did you kill him or did you kill everything around I him? I killed everything. You're talking about where you're... Wait, oh, wait, the windmill. I'm sorry. I thought you were talking about the castle one. Uh, Windmill... Yes, it's the one where right after you kill Maluda, his sister, and then Weegraf wants to kill you. Okay, yes, I did have trouble with it. I don't remember exactly what the problem was on that one. Uh, he just hits hard. It's your first. It's your first time is? coming. Yeah, because yeah, it's the first time you really fight a holy knight. Because every other time you have Gefgarian and, and uh, Agrius, and you're like, nice, they're gonna destroy everything. And then yep. you fight one, you're like, wait a minute, what? This is what that feels like. Yeah, yeah, maybe that was it. Yep, that was a bitch. Uh, okay, I'm gonna guess the fight with Gafgarian where he's behind the fe- the gate and you have to one v one. Okay, that Ramza. was the one that I actually, for some reason, didn't have any trouble with this time. Wow, what was Ramza at the time? Summoner. There's a su- he. Yeah, wait, what did you just hit the switch and run? No, I hung out on the top. You know, you could get to the very yeah, top yeah. of there, and like for some reason. Gaff Garion took like four turns to get close enough to do anything to me. Really? Yeah. And so I was just kind of like fighting the other guys with my other guy, you know, with the other guys. And, uh, I was casting a few spells from up top with Ramza. And then when Gaff Garion got up there, then I like ran past him and I probably got hit once or twice, but yeah, then I went over to the door and, and opened the gate. I'm impressed. He does a lot of damage. He has like 63 every time. Yeah, I don't know exactly how, like how I managed to pull that off. It was kind of weird. I'm not sure. Okay, so that fight, did you beat the game? No, I'm only like halfway through right now. Okay, so there's one other fight that I was going to call out. I don't remember which one it was. Are there any other ones that stick out to you? Well, this one is kind of basically the same one, but uh, the the so you mentioned the uh the ram. Yeah, yeah. Oh, the next Zodiac? Well, the one, like, that's the second part of a fight. Oh, the first part of killing. Is it? Who, who, who is, is it? it? It's is not Weegraf. Yeah, I think it is Weegraf. Yeah, Wee-Graf. I'm pretty sure it is Weegraf. Yeah, it's Weegraf. And he's an absolute bitch. He's a savage is what he is. Because Yeah, he, it's just, it's a one-on-one fight, first off. This yeah. is one of the spots where you can get screwed up on your save. Um, it's a one-on-one fight. Him versus Ramza. And, and if Ramza's not a good spec, you're in deep shit. Exactly. That was that's exactly it. And Summoner is not actually it's not terrible. It's not great for this one. What I ended up I I tried like four or five times because because Weegraf does a range detect. He does like co- like you Jay kind of quickly mentioned this a minute ago. Some of the characters classes they use a sword, but it does a ranged attack. It's like they swing their sword and it does like a magic attack at them basically. Uh, but it, I think it hits for physical damage. Um, oh, does it? I didn't know that. I'm not sure about that, but it's not like... Oh, you're so smart. I never thought about that. It's not, I'm not... I, it seems like it does, but I'm not 100% sure. Okay. But um, that's how it acts anyway. But uh, 
so it's really like you're in kind of a confined space and it's really hard to get far enough away to heal or anything like that. And he pretty much three shots you and yeah, you do less right. and you do less damage than him. So it's like <laughs> you're just fighting each other. You're going to if you just fight him straight up, you're going to lose every time. So what I you can tell me if what what your strategy was, I, I had to look this up. And really? yeah, and oh, that's funny. there's a bunch of different advice on how to, how to deal with it. The advice that I took was to put Rams, uh, set him back as a squire. Um, Whoa. Learn yell, which, oh. which I had like, you know how sometimes you sort of just randomly get a whole bunch of job points stockpiled. Yeah. In well, I had classes. like, yeah, I had like a thousand on squire. So I learned yell and I learned one that like gives me plus one movement so you can move one more extra space oh on your turn. Gosh. And then I added, I gave him, I think it's red shoes, which gives you plus one speed. And then I kept summoner as my secondary class. So what you do is you run away from him pretty much as much, like as much as you can. You're still going to take some damage because it's really hard to keep away, but every turn cast yell on yourself and what that does is it adds one speed um and then when when i needed to if i got hit a couple times then i would make sure to cast moogle and that that's a that's a healing summon spell it's a summoner I, yeah i was gonna say i also had um already learned the summoner ability that lets you use you cast summons and cast spells for half mp so i was able to to cast a whole lot so i kept was that running. pretty good by the way yeah, yeah, it's yeah, re- okay. very good. Uh, he hits really hard with some of the summons, uh, and especially if you can cast them more often. Then I pretty like you can cast them just like their spells more or less. When usually they're a lot, they're prohibitive, prohibitive because they cost so much. But okay. so I would do that. I running away, casting yell if I was safe, casting Moogle if my health got low, and if, and you just keep doing that until like your speed is just insane. Uh, I, it got to the point where I was, I, I would get five turns before he got a turn before we gets a turn. So I eventually got him to a point where he couldn't get to me and I was moving so much. I was, I was getting so many turns that I could like make tons of distance from him and not have to worry about getting hit when it was his turn. And then when it got to the point, like I said, where I was about five turns for every one of his, then I went up to him and just started wheeling on him and he got, you know. I would hit him like five times and he would hit me once and then I hit him a couple more times and he died. Then when he dies, he comes back to life as the Ram uh, fucking demon or whatever. And I was like, I was honestly still a little bit scared. I, Cause you still keep, it's the same fight. It doesn't like cut away in the meantime. It's just like a second stage of the same fight. So you keep all your speed boosts, which is good. I was a little bit nervous, but also that at that point your party comes in and they can help you. And he does, like you said, he brings like three kind of other demons, demons with him. Yeah. Um, but I just focus. Oh, Andy has a thousand health, <laughs> which is, oh, yeah. which is insane at this point in the game. Um, what I did was I just completely focused him down. Um, I was attacking him five times with Rams. Uh, I had a ninja at that point, which was, which ninjas attacked twice and then wait, wait, wait! How are you attacking five times with Ramza? What are you talking? About? Because his well, I was sorry, I was getting five turns with Ramza. Oh, because his speed was because so his high. speed was still so high. Yeah, 
Oh, it stay. It keeps over between the two different yeah. fights. Yeah, it, oh, it stays because it counts as the same fight. Um. So yeah. So Ramza was still doing five, five, get, still getting five turns for every one of his. I had a ninja, and then everybody else, I was just hitting them, you know, as much as I could. I had a lancer, which if you use jump with them, that does a lot of damage. So I pretty much just focused them down, and like. I still took some damage. I don't think I. I don't think any characters actually got knocked out or anything though, because uh, I was still able to kill him relatively quick for that part of the game. The, the other fight that I remember that is absolute bullshit. So there. So the main ones are this one, Algus. Like you said, I think there's another WeGraph one or. Gaff oh, the Gaffgarian one at the, at the 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 fucking hanging. Gaffgarian. That's, that's, that's what it was. Dude, that, that was fight a, is brutal. That one's a pain. But then shortly after this one that we were just talking about. There's one where you get this uh uh this girl in your party. She's a I forgot what her class is oh, called. Alma? I think that's her a, name. I think that's her name. She casts the spells she casts, that like yeah. flash in in various like parts of an area randomly. Um, um oh, is it does she cast like that thing on herself that gives her like 15 buffs? It's like re no no, 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 oh, no, no, no. That's not okay. it. This is a girl that you keep in your party for a while. Oh, okay. Um anyway, I forgot her name, but there's one where you have to protect her. It's so so on some oh, battles. The rooftop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. On some battles, you have an objective besides just killing anybody. Like some, you have to. You can't let somebody get knocked out. Like there's like in this one, you cannot let this character get knocked out, or else you automatically lose. The first three times I tried this fight, she got knocked out before I even had a turn. There was literally nothing I could do. The um, the AI takes over, she goes and attacks somebody, three bad guys attack her and she dies. There's literally nothing you can do about it. So I was like, what the fuck am I supposed to do about this? Every once in a while, you will get lucky and she'll take a different path to where not everybody can attack her on the first round. Um, but what I, what I read was what you can do is have, is take all of the armor off of one of your characters and that draws the AI to that character instead of her. So they pretty what? much kill your other guy, but she survives and you can, and you can res the other guy, you know, obviously. Um, but she, she'll survive the first couple rounds. Then you have a chance to at least heal her and at least get some turns before something else happens. And you like actually have a chance besides just literally watching the AI play it until she dies. And then you have to start the fight over again. I so love it. That was, that one was, I, I was like, are you fucking kidding me? Like, <laughs> that that was kind of one of the most ridiculous things I've seen in a game. Get better, obviously. <laughs> yeah, I guess. Uh, I Googled it, by the way. Apparently, the reason that you're getting JP, uh, job points. So, yeah, I'll, probably, I'll explain this a little bit more in a second, but I just want to tell you this. If you are, um, if you have somebody who's adjacent to you, when you gain JP and they are the same class as you, they get uh, one quarter of the JP that you got. Okay, I've heard that. And I've also heard that. At the end of a fight, everybody kind of gets a little bit of everybody else's classes JP. Oh, okay. Uh, Okay. But I didn't have squires in my party, so I still don't know how Ramza had so many squire points. I don't know. Squire is one of those ones, like, I feel like I was just getting constantly... Like, no matter what I was doing, like, I would become a chemist, and I'd go back and be like, oh, I have 200 JP. I'm going to buy a counter tackle or... Uh, I, don't, I don't understand either, but yeah, same same thing. Okay. 
Um, so, so why Robert and I talk about this? So, so one of the very interesting mechanics about Final Fantasy Tactics is not mechanics, but it's a very difficult game. Uh, sometimes within reason, other times with well, outside reason, and it's like absolutely brutal. I, I would even say the very first real fight that you do, the one where you're coming out of the academy, you can easily lose that fight or at least lose a character. It is very easy because it is, I, I think you have exact exactly the same number of characters as the enemy. And obviously, it's your, if you're it's your first time playing, you don't know the mechanics of the game. So there's a couple things. When characters um, are knocked down in Final Fantasy Tactics, they will crystallize after three rounds. A round is a series of every character getting at least one turn. So after three rounds, if the person has not been resurrected and the fight is still going, the body will disappear and either a crystal will appear or a treasure chest will appear. The treasure chest has a random item in it or has an item that they were wearing, I believe, or, or holding. Uh, the crystal will either give you full mana and health, or you can choose to learn an ability from another class. Why that's important is if you have a character that becomes a crystal or a treasure chest, they are gone from the game permanently. And if it happens to any of the main characters, or uh, when they're specifically in the fights with you, the, the fight will end. Uh, so if Ramza ever gets crystallized, you instantly lose. The game is over, and you have to start over. If any of your other characters do... You can keep playing, but that character is now gone. So you have to recruit a new character and level them back up. And if you want to do that, it is very difficult, especially depending on when that happens. You probably won't have another character that's near the same level or has the same amount of job abilities. So you basically have a paperweight and you're having a party of four when you should have a party of five for whatever the amount of the game is. Yeah. For the playthrough a bit right now, I made a rule that if Ramza died, obviously you lose. You can't do anything. But if any of my other characters die, I have to continue with the playthrough. Oh no! <laughs> I've lost. I've lost two characters so far permanently. Oh. One was in Dorder, which, by the way, Dorder's another one. It's the one where you walk in and there are boxes stacked up to your left, and Delita and Algus go up the boxes to kill the archer, and the other team has two black mages, I think three archers, and a knight. And they can easily, easily one-shot somebody, or not one-shot somebody, but kill somebody before you have the opportunity to go because your characters oh, at this right. point... <clears throat> yeah, so early on in the game, I mean, your characters will have 25, 35, maybe 40 health. And these mo the <clears throat> bad guys will hit for 15, 20, 25 in certain cases. So if they get hit by two different people, or if one of them crits, your character is unconscious, and then anytime you try to res them, which <clears throat> you not everybody can res. So one of the interesting mechanics about this game is everything is based off of your primary and secondary classes. Robert kind of alluded to this before. Your primary class is what you are, obviously, and that's where you're going to get ex uh, what's called job points, which is what we were kind of talking before. When you, uh, when you do things while you are a class, you obtain job points. Job points can then be used to purchase uh, abilities for that specific job. There's a, a menu that lists out all the different options that are available to you for that specific class and the associated JP cost with them. <clears throat> Early on, you'll get like 15, 20 JP per action you do while being that class, and abilities will cost somewhere between like two, three, maybe 400. So you can get a decent amount of abilities very early on, as long as you are constantly active. <clears throat> Sorry, my throat's kind of hurting. Um, there are two ways to kind of gimmick this system, and I tried not to do this too much. One is hitting your own characters, right? So if you're in a fight where it's clearly over and you just start hitting your own characters so you can get levels, also, using items on each other will allow you to get uh, job points very quickly and experience, and you can very quickly outpace the game by doing that. So I try, I try not to do that too much. I did a little bit here and there just to like finish off getting certain abilities or uh, if I was like you know one hit off of a level or something. 
Um, so the primary class, again, is the one that you are. It allows you to acquire JP and allows you to use those abilities. The secondary one is a class that you are not at that time, obviously. So if you wanted to say you are a squire, <clears throat> your secondary class, if you will, <clears throat> um, you choose chemist. <clears throat> so you're a squire, but you have, chem you have some chemist abilities. What that allows you to do is the primary action or actions of a specific job uh, will be listed as your secondary. So your character as a squire will have squire abilities, but then you also have the ability to use items. You don't get everything that a chemist has, but you still have uh, the ability to use some of their actives. Also, through the leveling system, the job talent or the job listing for your abilities, you can acquire certain things that certain classes have and retain those outside of being that class. So when you are building out your character, you have five slots, your primary ability, your secondary ability, a reactive ability, a move type ability, and then what's the last one? Uh, it's like, like a... a <clears throat> I thought the last one was the move. There's... What is yeah, it? Yeah, you guys right. Let me pull your, your main ones. There's like a passive... I, I think I'm repeating what you said, but I'm just going through my head. A reactive, a movement. Yeah, a reactive, passive, and movement, probably. And then <clears throat> primary, secondary. <clears throat> it's, it's five. Something so like there's five options. And when you're looking at the class, the, the job sheet for the job abilities, <clears throat> as you're picking those abilities, they're on a tab in, this, in the, the job um, ability listing page. And those will coordinate or um, correlate with one of those five spots that have your character. So for instance, <clears throat> sorry, one of the uh, abilities that Squires has, as Robert alluded to before, is they have a constant buff that they can get that gives them move plus one. And you can think of a grid, you know, your characters can move three to four to five squares at a time. Being able to move one additional space is pretty crazy. So you can acquire that by getting 200 job points and then you buy it. And then afterwards, you have to equip it onto that character. Now that will take up the spot um, <clears throat> that other abilities could. So there are other movement things you can get in place of that, such as teleport, uh, which allows you to teleport to any square in the battlefield. However, it has a chance to fail uh, based off of how far away the square is. Uh, you could get jump plus one. So if you're playing a character like an archer and you want to get up to a higher elevation because you do more damage from a higher elevation, you could take jump plus one. If you want to put like walks on lava, take that. Walk on water, take that. Uh, move, find item. Move, find gill, I think is one as well. There's a bunch of different ones. So you can basically, you're like, oh, I want move plus one for my character. Boom, you, you, you learn it while you're leveling as a squire. Then you switch to a chemist, but then you equip the move plus one. Cool. Um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of stuff like that. The reactionary one is what I was talking about before. There is a talent in the chemistry, and I think it's either three or 400 JP, which is quite a bit early on. That's like one to two of a, of a standard ability. And what it does is it's auto potion. Every time you take direct damage, you will have a, you have a chance to use the lowest level potion in your bags. So if you have a regular potion, a high potion, X potion, um, <clears throat> it will use the regular potion first, obviously, because it's the lowest quality. So one of the strategies is you basically get rid of all the other potions except for your X potions, and then your characters, every time they get hit, they have a chance to heal for 150, which is an obscene amount. And if you have auto potion on your characters, it is very unlikely that you're gonna have any issues with this game because you will outheal almost every fight in the game without even trying. So it's one of those like really gimmicky things that again, I have it on a couple of my characters, but I didn't. Normally what I do is I will go to the squire, I'll get move plus one, I'll get gain JP up, which is basically just an increased rate of gaining job points from Squire, and then keep those two on, get auto potion, and then just kind of level my characters out. And it's just so ridiculous. You're moving, you're flying across the map, you're auto potioning, and you're level, you're outpacing the game in terms of levels. 
So it's like a, a very strong strategy. That's what makes <laughs> Algus such a bitch when you play him because he has auto potion. And he seemingly has, as far as I can tell, unlimited potions or basically oh, unlimited. So, yeah. like, I, the first or second time I played against him, I had killed everybody else. And I had lost a few guys. I had three guys left. It was literally 3v1. And he was just, like, laughing at me because he healed every time I attacked him. And then he would attack somebody and kill them or just about kill them. It was ridiculous. Yeah. So that's kind of the overview of, of the characters leveling. So what why this game is so fun is because you can mix and match um, any of the classes that you want to. So you have the base class, which is a chemist, which is kind of like the path going into becoming a caster. And then you have the squire, which has the opportunity to kind of go into melee, if you will. Uh, it's kind of like a really, really rough way to describe it, but that's kind of how the game starts. Also, but real quick, you... just, just oh, a uh, note, <clears throat> you only get experience for your primary class. Ooh. Oh, that's true. Yeah, because there are, I forgot about that too. There are job levels, which, what is the ben? I actually don't even know the true benefit of being a higher job level. I'm assuming it just amplifies uh, like... It's just for, I, I if I understand correctly, I think it's just for unlocking other classes on the job tree. I wonder if it increases your JP gain rate, because I definitely noticed mine went up over time. Maybe, I'm not sure. I think that's, I, I thought that's more based on you're fighting bad, harder people and you're getting more XP, uh, you know, against them, but I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe not. Yeah, I'm actually, I'm going to read about this in just a moment here because I'm kind of curious. Uh, so why this game is so fun is because because of exactly that. And, and realistically, as you level, uh, as you job level up with certain classes, you will unlock other classes. So if you get to like a level, I think it's level three chemist, you unlock white mage and black mage. Okay. And then if you, you know, level the white mage to level two and level black mage up to level two, then you unlock the summoner or whatever, just, just as an example. And you can go off in a multitude of directions. There's probably what, like 20 something classes? How many classes? I say fifteen. Okay. I would guess like I'd say twenty-six. Twenty-six. Like That's what you're guessing. I'm gonna say fifteen. Uh, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, ten, fourteen, seventeen, twenty. Looks like. Oh 20. wow. Okay. Um. Uh, yeah. Twenty. <clears throat> um. So there are twenty different classes. Is that, is that are, counting the classes that you that some people just have that you can't actually unlock? You know what I'm talking about? Like some of the. Special it's the actual leveling tree oh okay, okay. Like, so that's about if so that's is... 20 then yeah okay and i only looked at it for like 30 seconds so they could have literally scribbled poop on there and i didn't okay know, all right so. we got the idea yeah you get the idea so there's around 20 classes um and so as you're leveling the game you know you can look it up right and, and i remember playing this as a kid and one of the cool things about it is my friend versus another person versus me we all had different parties because we all had different classes and we didn't know how to get the other classes because we didn't know they existed so as the first time you're playing this it was very cool because you'd be like oh you just like went a battle and you go in your inventory and you're like, the fuck's a calculator? And then you look and read about the calculator and it's like oh, a new yeah, class yeah. you just unlocked. It is neat how that <clears> happens. Yeah, it, it, it's just, it's exciting. And then you're like, oh, let me go read all about all their abilities. And then you're like, well, shoot, now I want to, but I really want to finish like leveling white mage because I want to get this ability before I switch over to a calculator, whatever it is. So there's, there's a lot of variety to it. And historically when I've played a lot, what I will do is I will not, I will start a class and I will not leave that class until I master it. To master a class, you have to learn wow, every ability. Really? Yeah, so I would, I would master everything. But here's the thing. It's not a good way to go about the game. One, it's not fun. That's hard, because by the, yeah. Well, it's, it's hard. It's just time-consuming. Yeah. Not even that. It's more of like, as you progress through the game, I probably only played four or five different classes because my characters, I was mastering everything all the way through, right? <laughs> so that just takes up a lot of 
Because, you know, there's only so many battles in the game. You can farm the, the regular battles, but that's just a huge waste of time, and I don't want to do that. Uh, so this time, I just decided, like, whenever I was whenever I was looking at another class, I'm like, that looks interesting. Fucking send it. Just go. I'm just going <laughs> to play that class and just see how it is. So Rom's in particular, Rom's a, like almost notorious for me, is always some kind of physical DPS. Predominantly a ninja, obviously, you know, like a monk or a knight into a ninja, uh, because, you know, it's just pump. It's just so much fun, and the ninja is insanely broken. So this time, I did quite the opposite. I made him into a chemist, and then I made him into a white mage, uh, and then I think I went directly into oracle from there, and I've been oracle ever since. So I'll kind of briefly touch on the classes. Like, So obviously, a knight's pretty self-explanatory. It's like a melee DPS. They're very tanky. They do some cool stuff. Um, for the uh, White Mage, pretty self-explanatory as well. White Mages do healing, and they have some pretty cool abilities. They also have uh, the ability to resurrect people, which you don't always have the ability to resurrect um, in this game. And the reason is, as we kind of talked about before, the Chemist is the only one that has the ability to actually use Phoenix Downs, which is a way or, to Or any people. items. Only Chemists can use oh, yeah. items. Yeah, true. So and the other thing is, even if you are a chemist, doesn't necessarily mean you could use that because you have to learn uh, through your job tree how to use a an item. So if you have an X potion in your bags uh, and you haven't learned how to use X potions, you can't use it. You have to wait until you get enough job points to then spend it on it, which is pretty cool. So the white mage was pretty fun. Uh, the white mage has things like cure. It has protect, which reduces physical damage, shell that does magic damage, uh, the ability to raise other people, and some other stuff. I briefly touched on it, and then I went straight to Oracle. I've never really played much with an Oracle before, and it was very fun. Um, the primary ability that I used, I don't know exactly what it's called. Maybe it's called, like, um, Disable or Paralyze, I think, maybe. Okay. <clears throat> uh, and what it does is it prevents the other the person who gets hit by it from being or from using any sort of action. In Final Fantasy Tactics, every character turn you have, your characters have the ability to move, and your characters have the ability to attack. Uh, that's an uh, that's an and statement. You get to do each of those activities once. The one challenge is after you move, you cannot unmove. So you have to make sure you're moving into a good spot so that you can actually interact with whatever you're trying to do. <clears throat> this comes into play for ranged abilities, especially for spells, because you if you overassume how far uh, you can reach with the spell, in a lot of cases, what you'll end up doing is not be in range and then just waste your turn, and it really sucks. Uh, the other thing that's really cool about Final Fantasy Tactics in this regard is when you cast a spell, if it's a damaging spell or a healing spell, you have the choice to either attach it to an enemy or a target, meaning if they move, that ability will follow them and hit them. Um, in tactics, most of the abilities that you'll use have a, um, it is one, two, three, four, five. Yeah, it's five. It, it basically can hit five different um, boxes or spaces, if you will, in like a plus sign formation. And so why that matters is if you're targeting an enemy, and you have allies next to him, you can hit your own units with your spells. Yeah, because it doesn't cast immediately. It takes like a charge. It takes some time to like chant or charge it up or whatever. So like if you cast a spell on somebody, then it depends. It's, it partly depends on their speed and how strong of a spell it is. But usually like you start casting and then a couple more turns go and then you cast the spell. So that's why that matters if you are, like Jay said, if you are targeting, if you choose to target the person, then if they move then you're still going to cast a spell at them. But if you target the tile, and if they move, you're just going to attack the tile and hopefully, you know, whatever was around it. But, and this also comes into play because if an enemy is casting a heal on one of their allies, you can move next to that ally and you can get the heal. 
Or if yeah. they target you with a spell and they're chanting it and charging it for a couple round or a couple turns, you can then proceed to walk up to them, which I've done many times, where they'll cast uh -huh. like a giant spell and it'll be like it, it's casting for like three more turns, and I just like waltz up to them like yo, and then you hit them while they're casting, you do damage, and then they cast their spell and kill themselves, and it's like yeah, it's awesome. pretty. It's, it's, it feels good when that happens. It's a really great interaction. I really like that that mechanic that you can use, you know, beneficial spells on enemies and the alternative or vice versa on on allies. Um, I think it's really cool. I think it's a really cool mechanic in the game. So the Oracle, what does it do? The, or the, the paralyzed ability I was referencing before, it prevents that person from using an action uh, for three turns, I think. So basically they can move around, and, but they can't attack or use potions or do anything for three turns. And three turns is a lot. Like a character, what would you say, Robert? Five, six, you get five, six turns maybe per battle? Per character? Uh, uh, it's it really just, I, I think a little bit more than that. It, it really depends on the battle, but generally I think, more, I would say more. Like, I'll uh, say closer to 10. Okay. Maybe. So let's say three of those, you cannot act. 30% of your, your character, and by the way, this spell can hit up to five people. Um, spells have a chance to miss in this game. It's pretty high early on, too. So if you're like, oh, there's a boss, I'm just going to cast a spell on him, and it's going to be over. Yeah, there's a good chance it's going to resist. Usually, uh, I, I don't know if it's based off their level or what, but they have a, a higher chance to resist, and you can just whip your spell. But yeah. um, if it does land, like mine did, and Oracle, again, this, this ability where it prevents them from attacking or using any action for three turns was insane, especially in the early fights, because if it hit, like, two targets, and let's say one of them was kind of important, for instance, Algus, uh, it... It was just great because I'm just like, yo, you're you can't do anything for three turns. You can't heal, you can't act, you can't attack rather, you can't do anything. It's it's just super impactful in that regard. So that ability, I read it and I was like, that's insane. I want to try that. And yes, it is insane. I also have a couple <laughs> other ability. One of the other abilities that Oracle has is silence. Uh, so it can silence casters. Also been a huge play. There's a couple fights where there were a couple black mages and I would just AOE silence them and just shut them out and they would just be useless the rest of the fight. There's also one for zombie. You can turn somebody into a zombie, which um, in, in Final Fantasy Tactics, if you're a zombie and somebody heals you, it does damage. Uh, and the only way to remove that is using an item called a Holy Potion. So it's just, it was insane because I would use it on a big target, right? And then the enemy would be like, I can heal. And they would just, you know, hurt themselves or whatever. So it, it can be really, really impactful that way. Um, yeah, and so I, I'm just still an Oracle. That's why that's where I was going with this. Is I have Ramza still as an Oracle, and it's been very interesting. And th this is one of the things that I, I love about Final Fantasy Tactics is yes, there's only 20 classes, but I guarantee you, most people have not played with. About Wait, you half say of them. only 20? That's a lot. I mean, but but I played the game, you know, 10 times. Oh, or okay, something. okay. Yeah, and, and you know, I've experienced every class, but I haven't done it enough to like really experience what what it's like, especially in the early stages of the game when classes can have some really in interesting interactions with the game. So. Um, but yeah, it, it was it, the Oracle so far has been really enjoyable. I don't know where I'm going to go next. I th I think at a certain point I'm going to make him a summoner because you said that and that sounded really fun. Summoners yeah, in tactics are powerful and they're just so I, I really like them as a class design. I, I for some reason I didn't use them much on my first playthrough. I think I had trouble timing the the casting with them. Oh, the um, summons, yeah. But they're really powerful because they're basically like a black mage on steroids because they can so their spells do cost their summons do cost a lot more oh, way more yeah but if you get the half mp thing then Gosh, that now i want that that like pretty much like negates the extra cost completely and just makes them really powerful because they're uh you know jay talked about how like it does a plus sign when you cast a regular black mage spell like it'll target the tile and then 
one additional tile in, in each direction and it'll hit everything in there. Well, summons have a much larger area of effect and they also will ignore friendly units. So you don't have to worry or about enemy any... units if you're healing. Yeah, yeah. Or if you're healing, it'll ignore enemy units. So you get to hit you get to hit more stuff and you're not hitting your own guys. And usually you're doing more damage at the same time. Like I've hit I've done seven, eight hundred damage in a single turn with Ramza before, just just by virtue of hitting so many people with a strong summon. Plus summons look really cool. Yeah, they do. They look cool. Titan looks awesome. He does. Oh, that's actually what I was thinking of. When he's just like slapping the ground. Yeah, yeah. Like all the ground kind of like comes up and starts like it's like kind of causes an earthquake, and all these all these rocks like kind of shoot up from the ground. It's 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 pretty awesome. But yeah, uh, that's because I, I have a I've, I've done a pretty interesting strategy so far. Um, I have more more casters. I have three casters and two physical. I think. Actually, I wanted to ask you in the early fights. So one of the one of the things that frustrates me, frustrates me about this game is in the early fights you have four of your characters, and then there's one special character, which is a character that isn't in your party quite yet. They're just kind of like they're temporarily there. You you can use them for um, major battles, like chapter battles. Oh but yeah, you can't use them AI in like controls random battles. them. Yeah, yeah. So so when you were in, when you were in between the the story battles, if you will, and you were just doing like the the fights that don't matter. Did you end up bringing in a fifth person that you sometimes leveled, or did you just do it for people? I always used a fifth person. At that time, I thought I was going to use the strategy of, oh, you know, I'll probably mix in a lower-level character to have a backup person in all my fights, but I I did away with that pretty quickly. Um, but yeah, so I was mixing in an extra character uh, at that point. Okay. I, I um. I was originally going to try to like have that fifth character there as much as possible because at a certain point you get to use them more and more. I just have four people, and whenever I have a random battle happen, I just go in with four people, oh, okay. and I will tell you right, I've had zero trouble winning any fight with four people. It's oh, actually yeah, really? okay. insanity. Yeah, it, it, honestly, it's most because of Ramza's don't act ability, the paralyzed thing, because like they the AI is so great about grouping up for you and just getting ready for the cast, and they they group up and then I silence <laughs> them all, and they just sit there idly for turns while I just beat them down. It's pretty fun. If you cast haste on them, it also speeds up their spell casting. I love haste. Haste is so powerful in that game. It is yeah. ridiculous. It's I, I at first I didn't like it because sometimes it misses, but oh, then yeah. I realized that it also does the plus sign, you know, little tiny area yeah, effect yeah. thing. So AOE. you can hit yeah, so you can hit three two, three, four characters, sometimes five, you know, if you go perfectly, you can hit five characters with it. So if you miss two and hit three, that's still really, really good. Yeah, yeah, and I think as well. I wonder. I'm gonna Google this in a moment here, but I, I, I have a feeling your job class determines your success rate of spells, because I early on I remember my white mages huh. always missing with their spells, and that includes like protect. You can't miss with a heal, I don't believe, but or can you? Man, yeah, I don't know. yeah. Ooh, I know you can. I, with, I don't like, know. Protect <laughs> and haste and stuff. I'm not sure. <laughs> so, uh, I wonder if your job class helps with that too. I was just thinking about that. So, what is your party right now? Um, I have Oracle. My monk has been my tank uh, for the most okay. part. So I have Oracle. Um, I have a monk. What else do I have? I can just pull it up here in a second. So uh, to go ahead, go ahead. you're still here, unlocking here. some of the classes because you're still a little bit early. Yeah, 100%. Right now, mine is, and I, I'll probably stick with this. Mine is Rams a Summoner. I've got Still. Yeah, I'm just keeping him as summoner. How long has he been like that? 
It's, it's got to be a, a long, long right? time. Like, I was going to say, are you close to mastering? No, because the summoner, the summons cost a lot to unlock. Oh yeah, they do, and it gets they get so high. I forgot about that. Yeah. Um. So Ramza is my summoner, and then I have a ninja, a priest, which is a white mage. Oh, still at this point in the game. Yeah. Um. She's wow. she's got. She kind of goes back. Oh, you know, no, no. I take it back. I take it back. She's a. T- I, I switched her back to time mage. Priest oh. is her secondary class. Uh. Have you so learned Meteor yet? Ninja, no, that's I'm saving up for Meteor right it's now. It's so ridiculous. Summoner, Time Mage, Ninja, Lancer, which is a, like Dragoon. It's a, it's it's basically like a better knight, pretty much. It's pretty tanky and does a lot of damage. And I use Lady Agrius, which is a holy knight, which is... Uh, oh, yeah. She's one Overpowered. of the ones that does like, yeah, sword, like a ranged sword attack like we were talking about earlier. Cool. Uh, I have, so my four main ones are uh, Rams is an oracle. I have a summoner, a black mage, and a monk. Uh, that's the the four that I'm using right now. And the summoner only has uh, Chokamog right now, so it's just a, basically a healer. And wow, you then, got a squish. That's a, that sounds like a squishy party. Uh, yeah, it is. But the oracle okay. thing, dude, don't act. I mean, it's just so cheap. Uh, so uh, it's, uh, it, yeah. So that's so the don't act. That's not one of those that only hits like five percent of the time or something like that. You had pretty good success with it. Sixty to seventy percent, okay. I guess. It, okay. It's pretty good. And I even got it on like, Abby got it on August, so that was pretty great. You know what else is really good is the thief's charm. Oh yeah, oh yeah. Oh, it can only be opposite sex though. Yeah, yeah. The thief can charm only an opposite sex character, and uh, they will like join. They'll fight for you for like three or four turns, uh, which is obviously super powerful. And another thing about this game in general is like. This the way damage scales, or not even scales, but the 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 amount of damage you do or characters do in general in proportion to your HP, health. yeah, your health yeah. is very high. So like, <laughs> there are sometimes where if you get hit twice by a character doing a lot of damage, you might die. So usually it's somewhere between two and four hits that you can take before you're either dead or very close to dying. So you really have to be careful with your turns, and so. Any extra, you know, turning one character onto your side for three turns is huge. Doing, getting a ninja who can attack twice per turn, that's enormous. Like, little things like that add up very quickly. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, damage does scale really well. And, and Robert is playing with one of, in my opinion, the most broken classes, which is the ninja. The ninja is yeah. dual-wielding. So, and, and the offhand damage is not reduced at all. It's 100% of the damage. So, your character goes from dealing X damage to 2X. And it, it, they're very fast, so they go early in a fight, and they move very quickly, meaning they can go travel distances very quickly. So a ninja can usually walk up to somebody, turn one, and hit them for either their entire life bar or the majority of their life bar. If they can't hit them because there's some sort of range issue, they can then throw an object or a weapon or a shuriken, which <laughs> still does a significant amount of damage. Yeah, they also have high evasion. Good. They Which do, is so stupid. They have high evasion. Yeah, and I just unlocked a skill that gives them even better evasion. Uh, really? Because he was getting killed, like, pretty early on sometimes. Uh, oh, that sounds so funny. But you. now I got this one, too. He just dodges everything. But, like, he does more damage than anybody else with just one hit. And then he does a second hit afterwards. Like, some, I, there have been plenty of times where I one-shotted a person without even doing the second attack. It's actually so ridiculous. Uh, it, it's such a broken glass, and and the evasion thing is is very 
Very cool. We didn't even talk about this, but each character has a number of of, um, of equipment slots that they equip going into a battle. So you have the ability to put on a main hand or offhand or a two-hander, a helmet, a chest piece, and boots. The boots are usually things that amplify existing movements, so either like plus one movement, um, plus one jump. There's some other ones as well you can equip that do some very interesting status or like very like specific buffs. And so, so Robert is using two swords, which is just significant. But one of the uh, items you can wear, I think it's a helmet that gives you more evasion. It gives you like a 20 or 30% chance to dodge. So if you wear something that while, while playing a ninja, you're not only like doing insane damage, but you also can't die <laughs> by physical, which is just ridiculous though. It's pretty crazy. That's yeah. just so crazy. Uh, yeah. So what else, Robert? I don't know if there's much else. I don't know if there's much else. The stories, I think you kind of, you touched on the story a little bit earlier, but it's worth mentioning that the story is also really good. It's kind of like the whole, you know, what's fun is in between you're like, there's this kind of, uh, nice little change of pace that all that constantly happens throughout the game where you get, you get a little bit of story that unfolds. You get to kind of just like watch the story. Then you get to do a battle. Then after the battle, you get to go back to your like team and see what, see how you want to level them up. See what abilities you want to learn. See what, see if you need to go, see if you want to go buy some gear. See if you want to check out what new job classes you might've unlocked and maybe change that around a bit. Then you go back and then it kind of does that whole loop all over again. So you're, there's like, you're not always just fighting. There's there's a variety of things that you're doing at any given time, and and they and they balance it out really well. It was like, all right, now let's get a little bit of story. All right, now you get to actually fight. Here's a good battle, and the battles take what like 15, 20, 30 minutes sometimes. Like they're pretty. So, substantial. Some of the later ones take longer. They take even longer. Yeah, they're pretty yeah. substantial fights and very difficult, as we've kind of said. Like they're probably. 75% of the battles I've done, I've had to do twice or at least twice because uh, like some of them are just really tough. Uh, so it's, it's challenging. You get a good variety of things to do. You're not always just doing the same thing over and over. It's kind of, they just kind of nail it on all fronts. Yeah. And, and so one thing we forgot to mention as well is uh, in between fights, you are on a, a the, the map overview, which allows you to go from, you know, town to town or, or battle to battle. Uh, there are green nodes, which are can be random encounters. If you go to them, you have a chance to get a random encounter with some usually pretty easy fights. Blue nodes, which are cities, and then red nodes, which are story battles that progress the game. Um, and so you can grind if you want to. Um, also, if you want to go to a town to buy something and you're not already at a town, that means you have to traverse over other t- over other nodes, and some of those nodes can instantly spark a battle. So yeah. there are times when you can get in battles at a really bad time. Uh, there are also a lot of times where you won't have enough money to buy what you need. Money is very tight in this game early on. At a certain point, there's a breaking point. I don't know why it happens, but I've always always noticed that at a certain point in my run, I just have more money than I ever need to do anything with. I just that's 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 pretty I common in Final Fantasy, right? Like sometimes like you usually start off a little bit restricted, then once you get to a certain point, it's like I have a million dollars. Yeah, yeah, it's a fair assessment. So, um. You can also go to the bars in the cities and you can um, proposition for quests. And those quests are additional things that you can do that um, will, you can basically send a character to and they will go, they'll go out of your party temporarily for, you know, a series of days. Um, each time you move from node to node is a day. So if a, if a proposition lasts for, say, 11 days, then your character will be out of your party temporarily for those 11 days, which can be good, obviously, because they get experience and 
you may progress like a side story or unlock a new character, but also while they're away, you can't use them. So if you get into a battle that you can't win, uh, well, you are down a guy or down a person rather, and you could you can straight up just die because of that. So the propositions are really cool and they're a great way to get extra experience and stuff. Yeah. Did you do many propositions this time? I've done two or three, yeah. But my problem is I forget where I do them at. So like have to really pay attention to when I'm doing them because you have to go back to the same spot to get them once they're done. You can't just like, they don't just like return and they're like, we can hit it. You got to go back to the bar and, you know, choose to get your guys back. Oh. So something that you have to like remember where and when and all this kind of stuff. But yeah, I've done them a few times. I've gotten just like a bunch of money. Yeah. And then also my understanding is I'm, I'm doing those whenever they come up, I do them because apparently I think that oh, unlocks really? like some side content stuff. I think that's how you unlock certain characters and stuff. I believe I, I'll be honest, one of the things that I've always really enjoyed about Tactics is I've never really read a ton about how to, like, gimmick the game or know all the content or know how to do this or that, unless oh, I was really? looking to unlock a specific character. So, in all seriousness, I still learn things when I'm playing this game. And that's one of the things I've kind of noticed this time is I started doing more of those, which I believe has unlocked, like, additional options and stuff. So, I'll let you know. I'm still playing. I'm, like, 20 hours-ish in, and it's, like, a 40-ish hour game, roughly. So you're you're so. pretty close to me then, because I'm somewhere like that. I think. Yeah, <clears throat> it's been very enjoyable. I love. I wish it was on Switch. God damn it! I wish it was on Switch. I would play it so much more. If it was. <laughs> yeah, it's funny that it's not, but that's how things go. It's ridiculous. All right. Well, uh, as expected, you are enjoying Final Fantasy Tactics. Oh, well, where, where are you at with it? Huh? You've barely said anything. What, what are I've you thinking a lot. so far? Okay. I've, you mean where I'm, are you asking how much I'm liking it? Yeah, 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 a lot. Okay, good. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm going to talk more once I finish it, but um, but I, I mean, yeah, we've, we, I mean, we just talked about it for like 45 minutes. <laughs> Probably, I think it might be longer than that, but yeah. Okay. Okay. Uh, um, I was about to ask something. I don't remember. Uh, so that's that's all you got. For this yeah, time. yeah, that's all I got. Yeah, only <laughs> only forty five minutes today. Sorry, everybody. Well, there How's is the act. Well, there is another game you've been playing. Actually, another. That, that, I'll I wait just, you play it. I'm not going to talk about it again. You're going to wait. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah, holding off. Oh, oh, I do I remember what I was going to ask. Do you? How many? Which number playthrough of this game is it for you? Do you have any? Do you no idea. Know? Teens probably at this point. Teens probably okay. Yeah, if I had to guess. Okay. So for mine, I've got uh, I've got two games. First one is Mystery Dungeon Sheeran the Wanderer. This Have came, I ever heard of this game? I don't think so. It came out originally for Super Famicom in 1995. Uh, in 2006, Sega made a remake of it for the Nintendo DS. That was so I played the remake that came out in 06. I think it's, I don't know what is different about it. Um, because I've never seen or played the original one. Um, but it is a roguelike that's very, oh. very much like uh, Chocobo Mystery Dungeon. Ooh, is it good? Wait, Mystery Dungeon or the OG? That's the... Isn't that the same? Isn't that one? I don't think so. Wasn't that the Wii U version? Is Chocobo's... Dun- Chocobo's Dungeon the- 2. Okay, that's what I'm thinking of. Chocobo's Dungeon 2, yes. Okay, sorry. Yeah, because I think Mystery Dungeon was the Wii one, which was not very good in my opinion. Oh, is it not? Okay. 
I think so. I could be wrong, but yeah. Anyways, sorry. Anyway, it's it's that type of game where you are, um, again, very roguelike in the sense of it's ter- like it, just about every sense besides being ASCII, but besides it's not ASCII graphics, uh, real graphics, but it's turn based like movement and battles to where you so you're kind of on a you know it doesn't look like a grid but you are on a gridded uh your movement takes place on like an invisible grid more or less on the environment you you move the enemies you move you move the enemies move you attack that counts as a movement so on and so forth you're going through different levels uh picking up a bunch of like mostly like potions and stuff and occasionally uh weapons and armor and things like that as you are going through the levels uh scrolls staves things that do so scrolls and staves are things typically that do like magic type of stuff obviously weapons are obvious armor's obvious and then you might get healing like weeds and things like that and and food as well um this again like also like many rogue likes it, it uses a food mechanic where if you just kind of walk around, you're, you you naturally heal HP over time just by moving around. And in order to make that not broken to where, you know, you can't just sit there in a spot and go back and forth a million times till you heal up and then move on. There's a uh, food mechanic where as you take turns, your character sl- slowly and gradually like gets more and more hungry. And if you drop down to zero on your hunger or whatever it is, then you start losing health. So you have to eat in order to obviously bring that back up. So you can buy food. Uh, some people, sometimes in town you can get food for free and you can also find food um, in levels occasionally. So usually you have enough to where that's not really an issue, but to where if you start abusing the, like health regenerates as I take a turn mechanic, then it starts to become, then it can start to become an issue. So that's kind of to keep you in check. Um, also, like many of these games, when you pick up a potion or, gosh, I don't even, I know there are scrolls and staves and jars that are unidentified before you find out what they are. I, I, I played. I stopped playing this a couple weeks ago, and I can't even remember if there, if technically it even has potions or not. But it has stuff like that. If you pick up like a staff, it'll say something like cedar staff or pine staff, and you don't know what it does. When you pick up even weapons, you know what the weapon is, but you don't know if maybe that the weapon might be cursed or not. So when you get a staff. You either have to wait every time you get back to a town, which is usually like every three or four levels, all your stuff is automatically identified. So then you know what it is, or you can just take a chance and use it and see what happens. Usually I found with, with staff, with a staff, that's usually fairly safe to do because sometimes it might do something that you don't want. It might like teleport you somewhere uh, that's not ideal, but it's not going to hurt you with weapons and armor. Sometimes that is really bad because if it's cursed, then what that does is it gives you negative stats or like pretty much like bad stats for whatever that weapon is. Like it'll be less than if you were just unarmed. And also you cannot unequip it until you find like a scroll of blessing, which uncurses things. Um, So 
it's kind of dangerous to use weapons and armor before before they are identified to make sure they're they're not cursed. The other things like scrolls and stuff, those are usually a little bit safer because there aren't many of those that actually do anything bad to you. It just might not do what you want it to. Um, and then like, so a cedar staff, once you use one or identify it and you realize, oh, okay, what this one does is it pushes a monster back or it damages a monster or it's, there's some that like switches places with a monster or teleports them to a random spot of the level, various things. Once you find out that's what the Cedar Staff does, then that's what all Cedar Staffs do, so you know what those do for the rest of your playthrough. But it's randomized on every playthrough. So next, so if you die, which this is this is one of those games where, again, like roguelikes, and when you die, everything's lost, all your progress is lost, you gotta start over. So the whole purpose of the game is to like play through very thoughtfully and carefully. Um that's that's just what these games are. Um like even turn to turn, like I see one bad guy here. Okay, I really need to think about what I'm going to do about this because if something bad happens, like I I might be confident that I can kill this guy just by running into him and attacking him with the sword. But what happens if another guy comes in? Then am I going to be in trouble or not? So I want to make sure I'm positioned in, in what I think is a safe spot in the room. I want to make sure I have a backup plan. Like if somebody else comes from this door... What's my escape route or do I have a spell that I do? I have a staff that I can use that might just be like a, you know, a, a displacement spell that like pushes him away and gives me room to, to escape or whatever it may be. Um, that's what I like about these games is you it's you always have to be thinking about what you're doing. And it's so easy to get overconfident and just start kind of like more or less uh, like face rolling against people. And then. Yeah you're screwed because like something unexpected happens. So uh, I got, it's actually pretty tough. I got not, I wouldn't say far, but like most of the time that I played, I would get, I would get a little bit smarter about it and get a little bit farther the next time. Um, I probably put about four or five, six, seven hours into it. But then my uh, DS cartridge got like corrupted or something like that, oh, and my geez. so I could I wasn't able to to load saves anymore. So the only reason saves matter is is in the middle of a run. Obviously, like I said, if you died, you're dead. And you got to start over. But you can you can save a you can save in the middle of a run and then come back to it. But those runs started getting corrupted. So uh, you know, granted the, the the cartridge came out in 2006. So it's a I mean I guess that's not too old it shouldn't really be broken by now but it is that was like a couple years. years ago what are you talking about <laughs> yeah so or 16 years ago um but uh so yes i had a lot of fun with it i stopped playing it because of that but for some reason i played this a, like several years ago and i really even and I, I did like games like this at the time i don't know what it was but i really was bored by it i honestly don't know why because i really really had a lot of fun with it this time around I don't know what was going on with that, but, uh, yeah, <laughs> that was a, a great line. there. A lot of thinking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know it was. Um, so there's mystery dungeon sheer and the wanderer. I recommend it. The other game I've been playing, or I just finished yesterday actually is the resident evil one remake. Uh, the, actually I'm playing the HD remaster of the remake. So, the original Resident Evil came out in 96. They made a remake of it in 2002, 
which is fun. Really? I didn't remember that. Yeah, it was out on, I think GameCube was the first thing it came out on. It might have been out on other stuff too. Uh, it probably was actually. It's kind of funny to think of a, of a remake itself being a classic game. Yeah. <laughs> and the remake's older than the than the original was when the remake was made too. Oh, right? like six years versus now. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so that kind of is just funny to think of. But I played the version that you can get on Steam, which is the HD remaster. It came out in 2015. It's the remaster of the 2002 remake. So it, it's it's the same, basically the same remake from 2002, just with like better graphics, better you know, it's high res, better sound, and that kind of stuff. Uh, so it's, you know, obviously it's mostly the, the same original game. It just looks a lot better, but there are some differences. It's not just a, you know, room for room, line for line remake of the game. Like they did change some stuff. Some of the rooms are a little bit different. There are some different rooms there are some different puzzles, but all of the main stuff is there. And even even most of the rooms and puzzles are, are still there and are still the same or very similar. Um, the biggest difference is that, well, I say that maybe not the biggest one big difference is that there are no tank controls anymore. You are directly controlling the character, which is for the most part, much more convenient than having to stop rotate and then start walking forward again, just to turn around in this or that spot. Um, there, uh, the only time that it becomes a little bit weird is when you run, when you're running and the camera angle changes, if you keep holding the same direction, then the person will kind of keep going the same way, even if the camera angle has changed and that's technically a different direction. So that's nice. But what gets to be a problem is if you happen to turn at the same time that the camera also turns, then you might just go in a random direction. There are times where I kept on like going back and forth and this like around a corner, just reversing back and forth around it because every time I would try to change directions, the camera would also turn and then I would be going the opposite way that in that case. So that got a little bit weird sometimes, but for the, but overall I much prefer this than the original control scheme. Mm. There's one other mechanic that they added to this one, which is when you kill a zombie so you have a flask that you can carry around and it fills up with kerosene. You can, you can, you, and you, if you have your lighter, when you kill a zombie, you can burn it. And that destroy that gets rid of it completely. If you don't do that, then the zombie's body will stay there. And a little bit later in the game, it will turn into like an ultra zombie more or less like, I was I say ultra it's basically the same power but he's but they're much faster and they like haul ass at you when they see you. They're a little bit scarier too. I don't know why. Just like the way they kind of carry themselves and and sort of run at you is kind of creepy. But so they become basically faster zombies if you don't burn them. The thing is you don't have enough there's not enough so your flask of kerosene holds like two units of kerosene so you can use it twice to burn zombies. Again, you have to have your flask and you have to have the lighter in your inventory. You can, there are spots where you can refill your kerosene, but even those are limited on how, on how many times you can refill from them. So, uh, that's just like adds a whole nother thing. Like you're thinking about when you're killing guys, am, am I going to waste my kerosene on this one? Is this a place that I'm going to come back to? Or can I just let the zombie be here 
you know, do I think I can run around it next time I come through? Or maybe am I not even going to come back to this area at all? So that's how you're kind of constantly thinking about whether you're going to be using uh, the kerosene and stuff. Um, so there's that. But this whole kerosene in, in and of itself is not a bad idea. It's kind of a cool mechanic because it just gives you one other thing to have to consider and think about. However, it causes a lot of trouble because one of the, I'm, I'm sure you probably remember, one of the difficult things about the original resident the original resident evil game is managing your inventory you only have eight inventory slots and so if you have a gun extra ammo a healing item and then maybe a key to because like all, you're almost always carrying a key with you that's already half of your inventory that's already four slots that gives you maybe like, and then maybe you find something else while you are out, like some kind of jewel that opens up some lock somewhere. Then you've only got three spots left. Now you're starting to get really low. If you find two plants, then you've just got one inventory spot left. That's without having a flask and the lighter in your inventory. So if you have a gun, one gun, ammo for the gun, a key, uh, a health item, just in case you get attacked, then your flask and lighter, you only have two inventory slots for just picking up stuff that you find around the mansion. Which Sorry, means, did you already talk about ink ribbons too? Or? Ink ribbons? What, 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 what's your question about ink ribbons? Like when you were talking about inventory, did you mention that as well? I didn't mention those or there because I always would just leave those in the box. Oh, because, smart. Okay. Because... Almost every time there's a typewriter, there's also one of the inventory boxes. So okay. I would I would never carry those around unless it was one that I found somewhere random while I was out exploring the mansion. And then, you know, and then I just wait till I get back to the box and, and dump it away. So yeah, no, I didn't typically carry those. Um but so that so you already have very limited inventory, and to have only two slots free to actually carry stuff is really a pain in the ass, especially considering there are for, for most for the like the majority of the game while you're in the mansion, there are only two rooms that have a light uh, a typewriter and an inventory chest, and they are very far from each other. And you will also you will often be anywhere from five to six to seven rooms away from it, which is a huge pain to run back to because you got to go through the open closed door animation because those are still there anytime you go through a door. Wait four or five seconds for those each time. Run past any bad guys I might be there. Backtrack the same hallway that you've been through a thousand times. Just so you can get back to the room. Drop off a few things. Maybe save your game if if you're not low on ink ribbons. Which that's another thing. It as I mean you you implicitly brought up. It does use ink ribbons, which means there are a limited number of times you can save your games because you have to use an ink ribbon on the typewriter to save. That's how the save mechanic works. Um. I I held up with this for uh, for a while. I, well, I did finish the game. Um, for a while, it didn't bother me too bad, but like when I was getting to like the final three or four hours of the game, it was really, really, really testing my patience with the number of times 
I would have to run back, spend, you know, like I would be somewhere and I would, you know, I thought I had plenty of, in, of inventory left. I, I had kind of gotten it down to where I was. I kind of just like started leaving my uh, flask and, and lighter behind because I was just like, this is too much inventory space. I'll just run around guys. So I'm leaving those behind. I'm leaving extra ammo behind in the inventory chest. I'm just filling up my gun every time I get back there. I'm carrying two weapons, handgun and a shotgun. Uh, maybe some, you know, like I said, you always have at least one key that you need with you to unlock stuff. Uh, and then a healing item. And then like, so you'd get so, oh, and, th- and I'm also not carrying the knife. I never really use a knife in Resident Evil what games. What does the knife do? It's just a melee oh, just weapon. A fight. Okay. Yeah, for just when you run out of ammo. I never carry those because they're usually you end up taking damage and it's better just to run around bad guys and they just, and it just, and it takes up inventory space. So I typically never use those. Um, and so it's, it would be such a pain in the ass. I, I, I'm thinking that I'm, you know, being as efficient as I can, but then I go somewhere in the mansion and there's five things to pick up and I have four inventory slots. So you're like, all right, give me give me ten minutes and I'll come back. So run back through like six or seven rooms, dump all your stuff off, save if you want to, then go back the other way through the six or seven rooms, just to get back That's to where fun. you were and and pick up and like pick up a fucking a plant or something that you left behind or you know something that uh, some jewel that's that you have to put in a statue somewhere to unlock it to open some secret door to do a puzzle to do this and that. Still, like I said, it still has most of the old puzzles. It still has it has some new puzzles as well. Um, typically, you, what you're doing is running around, uh, like, like I said, putting jewels in statues, fi- unlocking doors, doing this and that to like get an item that will help you progress. Oh, you know, it was like really similar to to Metroid or something like that, where you're finding an item that helps you to, helps you progress in some other part of the mansion. Uh, going back to that part, using it, seeing what it does, opening that door, getting whatever item you get from that and kind of rinse and repeat. And then there are zombies around in the meantime. Um, there, there, there's even one door that you can own. Like it gives you a nice shortcut to one of the, uh, to one of the save rooms, but you can only use the door like two or three times and then it breaks and you have to take the long way around every time after that. It's, it's like just to taunt you. It is such a bitch. Um, uh, so the game is really good or the game is good. They did a really good job like with the design of it and everything. Like it, it plays, it plays well. It feels well. The puzzles are usually not too hard, like just enough to make you kind of think about it for a second and typically not like impossible or anything like that. The, I like having to choose whether I'm going to, you know, kill a zombie or just run past, you know, use up the ammo on a zombie, use ammo on a zombie or just run past it. Um, I, I do not like having to manage my inventory so heavily. I do not like backtracking a thousand times just to drop off stuff in the same box that I've been to. Like, I th- you know, a, a thousand times on my, on this playthrough. Um, that really, really started to wear on me by the end of the game. I, I, I would still say I'd recommend it. Like I had fun for the most part, but it was really, like I said, it was really like those last three or four hours. It was really testing me on the number of times I had to run through the same damn hallways, 
just to drop stuff off, just to make sure I had enough inventory or because I found a room is like, Oh, I need to put this, this, uh, red book on this, in this empty space on this bookshelf. Well, okay. I don't have the book with me. Let me go back and get that. And then, (laughs) you know, it doesn't add anything to the game to have to do that. It just adds 10 minutes of backtracking to get the book and then getting it and then running back to the exact spot where you were and doing, and then just putting it in there, seeing what you unlock then. So to me, that did get very tedious. Everything else about the game is really good. They, they, they kept the, the, the tone of the, like the general, you know, like the tone of the first game that they, they really did a good job on reproducing that. The, uh, you know, there's a little bit of story here and there, which is always fun. There are one or two parts where you kind of have to make a decision that affects like how the game ends up. I did end up getting the bad ending, which, which isn't a bad really? ending. Yeah. I say bad. It's not the best ending. It's, it's a good ending, but it's not like the, like the good ending. Um, uh, there are a couple new monsters here and there. The boss, the boss fights are much, much, much easier than the original game. A hundred percent because the controls are direct controls and not tank controls. The the whole reason I I think some of the boss battles are are a little hard in the in the original one is because every time you shoot somebody, you're just like you're running away. Then you have to spend five seconds turning around to aim at them and shoot them. Then five more seconds rotating back the other way to start running away again. Whereas this one you have direct control and that's not an issue. So there are some boss battles, you know, there are the same boss battles that the first one had. They're all pretty easy in my opinion. Um, All of like the kind of trademark stuff that you remember from the original game was uh, they're all there. Like dogs jumping through windows, of course Uh, the room with the sharks, the giant plant, like all this kind of stuff, like all the hallmarks of of resident evil are still there and it's just kind of got some extra stuff. So, uh, it's, um, Oh, and one, one kind of cool thing that it does add is that sometimes, so like I said, sometimes you'll be in a room and there's a zombie and maybe you'll run around it, grab what you need to run out. So you don't have to fight it. Not always, but every once in a while, once you get out of the room, the zombie will come crashing through the door after you. (laughs) So you think you're safe because that's how it usually is in, these games, especially the older ones, once you get out of the room, it's like it loads a whole new thing and the other zombie, you know, might as well not exist until you go back to that room. But there were a few times where it did come crashing through the door and it was still chasing me. And that was kind of, kind of startling, kind of scary. And it was fun. So, uh, yeah, overall it's a good game. Like I said, it just gets very testy at some points and I I became very impatient with it at the end, But but at that point, I was close enough to finishing it where I felt like it would have been a waste not to go, go ahead all the way through. Um, I, the, the impression that I get is other people don't have the same issue with it that I do. I think most people are, or I think a lot of people are more forgiving of it, uh, than I am as far as that goes. So maybe take that with maybe take my criticism with a grain of salt. It might not be as bad as I'm making it sound, but just for me personally, it was, it got pretty rough at the end. Okay. Let's read some emails, Jay. Okay. Is that all right? If that's, if that's okay with you, I'll think about it. Okay. Okay. So Sven wrote three emails. Jesus. (laughs) I'm going to condense these a little bit. 
Okay. Um, all right. Starting from the top. Hi, Rob and Jay. Noticing that you have not exactly been living in abundance concerning listener emails these days, I thought I'd put in my two cents again, writing about a couple random things. First, let me tell you that one of the most hilarious moments in CGP history happened recently in episode 180. But I'm getting ahead of... Oh, he's teasing us. I'm getting ahead of myself. Damn. Already in episode 179, both of you answered my question of which video game character you would have an affair with. Oh my god. (laughs) And I was already having a blast listening to that. First, it took Rob about 0.2 seconds. Yeah, yeah. To come up with an absolute steadfast answer, Aerith. A few minutes later, though, he claimed he had never thought about that before. (laughs) Sure, whatever you say. (laughs) Jay, on the other hand, seemed to be put in a very uncomfortable place. Not only did he seem to find it quite awkward to answer this question with his wife being around. Yeah, 100%. I mean, she wouldn't care anyways, but it's just... It's just weird. Yeah, I mean, she she, she, I mean, she might be in on it if you ask nicely. I'm good on that front. <laughs> he also had to, he also had to Google quite, oh yeah. Oh yeah, 100%. <laughs> I Googled ages. Yep. Yeah, yep. I'm not playing that game. He also had to Google quite a number of names before finally borrowing Rob's suggestion, Tifa, as all the other characters were apparently underage. It, to be like... In your defense, there was like, it was a situation where it's like a 29 year, it was like the opposite of what you usually see in like Japanese stuff. In this case, it was like more, it was like a characters that seemed like they're in 20s, but it's like, oh, they have to be, you know, like Final Fantasy VIII high school yeah. kids. So they're yeah, 17. Yeah, high school. <laughs> uh, yeah. Anyway. Anyway, but then again, but sorry, but then in episode 180, all of this was to be topped by Chase. For reason, for reasons oh, yeah. only known to himself, he felt the need to answer my question as well. It was very obvious Rob and Jay did not really know what to make of this. Things got even weirder when Chase mentioned Charcy from Diablo 2, who is about 20 <laughs> who's about 20 pixels in height and does not even have a face or any noticeable attractive features. It is true. But I get it. I mean, I also get it at the same time. <laughs> Why Chase felt the urge to answer this kind of delicate question, only to then come up with such an oddball of an answer is hard to say, but I was almost killing myself laughing. Secondly, as it is already November, we are quickly approaching the end of the year. This means I'll be very much looking forward to CGP's infamous New Year's resolution episode. It just never oh, no. it never gets old when Rob brings out the list of last when Rob brings out the list of last year's lists to check who has fulfilled their resolutions. Yeah. I'm on a good one. <laughs> I think I'm going to miss a couple this time. Um, thirdly and finally, I recently became aware of a common trope of computer games that annoys the hell out of me, but does not seem to bother anyone else. The issue I'm addressing is in genres like RPGs or action games, a player might pick up single use items. Such items might be quite rare, especially if they are, if they are powerful. So that player has to use, has to choose wisely when to use them. Of course, not in a random encounter or normal battle, because that seems like a waste, but in many games, the programmers protected their boss monsters with all kinds of immunities, so in a nutshell, none of the very powerful items work on bosses, 
and thus become duds. Have you encountered this problem? And can you think of, and if you think of an example, did it bother you? Thoughts? Sorry, can you say it one more time? Sorry, my brother just texted me or messaged me and I was messaging back. <laughs> okay. Right, sorry. He, he was he, he he asked me something really in a really weirded format, so I thought it was something more urgent than it was. Okay. Sorry. That's fine. Basically he's talking about single use items, okay? Uh mostly like RPGs, where if it's like something really really powerful, you don't want to waste it in in a normal battle. Oh, but yeah. then but but then when you get to a boss battle, the bosses are often immune to that kind of stuff. Can you do, have you encountered this? And does it bother you? Uh, I'm somebody who holds on to items way too long or whatever the mechanic is for way longer than I need to. And I end up not using it till the end of the game. So I'm like, well, fuck, I still have all these, whatever they are. And then I end up using them anyways. I am like, I try to be like, oh, I should save these. I shouldn't use these. And yeah, it usually gets to a point where either I, A, I forget about them. B, they don't work anymore. Or C, I don't know. I don't know what C is, but C is yeah. maybe you use like one of them and then the battle yeah. ends before you get a chance to use the other 99. Uh, yes, that's exactly right. Exactly the same for me, one hundred percent. The another thing that's similar to that that I that I hate is this. And Final Fantasy, I find does the, seems to do this more than others. Very very powerful spells, especially like a uh, a uh, demi or gravity. Those those are pretty much the same oh, yeah. thing, right? Isn't gravity another word for demi? More or less, like yeah, as far yeah, as that so. effectiveness. Um, so those yeah, spells. So this that's just an example. Uh, those spells in Final Fantasy games will remove a percentage of the character's health. So it's like, or of their. Oh yeah, yeah. Of, of their. Is it of their max health or of their current health? I think it's usually of I current. I believe it's current. Yeah. Yeah. So like, it might take twenty five percent of the health off. Yeah, you kill them two times. <laughs> yeah, right. Sorry. So if it's against a boss, then that's really huge. But bosses are immune to it, and but if you just use it against a regular guy, then you're just wasting MP because you can probably kill him just by attacking him. Like, th- like that, and like death is another example. Like the death spell just automatically kills somebody. You don't want to waste that on just a random bad guy, but then it doesn't work on bosses. So like, yes, that's the other way that I encounter things like that. Uh, but yeah, I I 100% agree with with both of you. Uh- I will share this too. Uh, so uh, I, I, in Final Fantasy X, one of the things that always kind of sticks out to me is Poison does, I think it's like 20% of their max health. So it, it, especially Whoa, in like, really? when you're, yeah, when you're doing regular battles, there are usually like weak mobs, medium, tough mobs, and like really tough tanky mobs that usually you'll fight that mob in a fight and only that mob. And what ends up happening in those fights is like, if you get poison on a big mob, you're like, I don't have to touch that guy for the rest of this fight. He oh, is nice. dead in four turns. Like it's just, as soon as he goes, he just takes damage. Like that's so, it's so insane. So it actually so. makes sense to use that on a normal Oh battle. my gosh, yes. It does so much. And I will say right now, like a lot of status effects and tactics are doing wonders for me. But I, it, generally speaking, I'm with you all. I usually just hold, hold things way too long. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and for my final question, okay, so this is just on his first email. For my final question of the day, if you could live the life of a video game character in his or her world, who would you choose? Mario's life seems pretty easy. I'll probably go with Mario's life. Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> he's just hard. He's just hard chilling with his brother, and you know, just fucking going out and saying like that. He's having adventures. Nobody actually dies. Everybody's friends, even the enemies. Like it just seems like a yeah. big trip. You're right. I mean, that sounds. I don't, I don't think you can do better than that. Maybe Leisure Suit Larry. He's always... <laughs> Maybe like Honey Pop, but whatever the main character oh, Honey Pop is. Yeah. He, he's a great character. He's got a good personality, you know. 
probably really enjoyable to be in his shoes. Uh, wing commander, <laughs> uh, the main, uh, like any main character in a wing commander game or any space flight sim, that would be fun as hell. Just to like be a space combat pilot. That'd be awesome. I don't think you can do much better than Mario, though. Once you think about it, that was a, that was a solid answer. Thank you, thank you. I think I thought I appreciate that a lot. Maybe Peach, because then you get to be with Mario. <laughs> there you go. Yeah, not Mario. Don't, don't even pick Mario. Just pick Peach. Um, say this on the last podcast, so we're about to go off on a tangent. So you're welcome. <laughs> I'm actually not excited about that movie at all, and I think it's gonna be absolute dog shit. Oh, the movie? Yeah. I've not, nothing I still, to back I it up. Still I think, it think actually, it's gonna be absolute dog shit. I actually shit. think it looks. I know most people don't. I'm I'm actually pretty excited about it. I've heard quite the opposite, actually. Most people I know are really excited about that movie and are 100% wow, really? going to see it. Yeah. The only but, thing but, I uh, hear anybody yeah. talk about is how Chris Pratt's voice isn't... I would say Chris Hemsworth. Good. Yeah, yeah. Chris Hemsworth. I mean, well, is there a big difference? Not really. <laughs> uh, all right, let's see. All right, all right. Going on with Sven. After li- having listened to your last episode in which you talked about the new Monkey Island game, I decided to write you another email because I'd like to comment on one or two things. In the aforementioned episode, Rob said that some people took issue with the graphics uh, of the new Monkey Island and that he could not understand that because the the graphics were objectively better than those of the previous titles in the series. Uh, okay, so first, so this is me. I don't think I said they are objectively better and if I did say that careful, I did not he's going to tell you I was going to say careful he's going to go back and be like actually at this time in this video this is what you said <laughs> if I did say that that is not what I meant because personally I do prefer the old school uh, I, I I love the way the pixel art looks especially in Monkey Island 2 like those games are just beautiful to me I would have loved for this one and all of the other Monkey Island games to to look like those so I did not say or I did not, or I did not mean to say that the graphics are objectively better. What I was just saying is that I think the art is really good still, even though it's not what I would have chosen. I do think it looks good. Um So okay, so moving on with Sven's email. The reason I'm writing this is probably is is probably that I absolutely dislike the new graphical design used for the newest title in the Monkey Island franchise. The characters and the way uh they our animated looks weird, looks absolutely weird to me. I cannot stand looking at these jerky head movements, the empty beady pig eyes, the exaggerated expressions. All this will unfortunately keep me from playing this game, even though I grew up with the wow. first with the first series and have enjoyed every title so far, even the fourth one. That is a wow. Um, now to wrap up this email. Okay, another question of the day. What is one of your gaming pet peeves? Uh, in relations to what? Gaming. Give, give me an example. Sorry, I'm starting. Like something that's a really that just, broad something question. that bothers you in games that like maybe not, doesn't necessarily bother everybody. Not not like I hate it when a game sucks, but like uh, some element that you might find in a game that just that you that just kind of gets on your nerves for some reason. Oh, man, that's a tough one. Hmm. Like I can't think of anything that's not probably common amongst most people, except backtracking is is I is is really tough for me. I get very bored, very easily backtracking as you probably got the impression of when I was talking about resident evil. Um, I actually don't mind backtracking. To be honest with you. If it's yeah. Done well. A lot of people don't because there are plenty like the Metroid games, for instance, those are yeah, built on say, backtracking. Fine example. Um, Metroid is a series where I can handle it because everything else about the game is so cool. But like there are other 
very good games like like that that I I don't usually like games like Metroid, but Metroid itself is is an exception to that for me. I, I'll be honest with you, I actually kind of agree with you. I, I do enjoy the backtrack mechanic when it's done well, but I will agree with you that Metroid definitely does it where in a way that feels like you're making constant progression. Okay. I don't know how they do it, but they do a great job on it. Uh, something that annoys me about... Or, sorry, uh, not annoys me. But I'm trying to think what would be a good example of this. So what's a good... I mean, I think annoy is a is fine adjective to to use for this. Um, Another one, this is kind of similar, sort of similar to what he was asking about a second ago, but single-use items where... For, first off, well, mostly like single-use items where it does like a permanent stat boost... Two things about those bother me. One, I never know who I want to use them on until the very end of the game. So I do the same thing that we talked about. I save it till the very end and, and then use them like before, just before like the final boss or something. But also single use items where it's not clear whether or not it's a single use item. You know, like it might, or, or, or I'm sorry, where it's not clear whether it's a permanent or a temporary stat boost. It might say like, this makes you stronger. And so I'm like, okay, so is this for like a turn or for a battle or is this permanent? And if, if that's not clear, that, that, that bugs me. It's a good one. I don't know if I have any other real, nothing that I can think about that just like gets on my nerves that, you know, is maybe unique to me. Yeah, I, I feel like I should have an answer to this, but I just don't have anything. Yeah. I'm struggling to come up with something. All right. Well, if you, think it's, if you think it's something, I'll be here, Jay. Okay, I appreciate that. Yeah. I'll text you at 3 a.m. Just you wait. Okay. All right. This is my last email this month, I promise, and it's a short one. Recently, I listened to Upper Memory Block podcast. The guy was talking about the Gabriel Knight series, praising the writing and voice acting. This got me wanting to play a serious point-and-click adventure with a gripping story and, be and believable, well-acted characters. At the moment, I've had enough of humorous point-and-clicks with all their slapstick jokes and idiotic one-liners as I seem to have played too many of them. Uh, however, I think Gabriel Knight is a tiny bit too old school in terms of graphics, as is Police Quest. Uh, and the guy of the UMB podcast gave away too much anyway, so I think the game for me needs to be a bit more modern. I did some research and came across Dark Side Detective and Unavowed, both receiving very good reviews and looking very promising. Have you by chance played any of these, and could you recommend it, or do you have any other recommendation? I think this is more aimed at me. I don't suppose you probably yeah. have too yeah, much yeah, input I would, on this. Uh, I would think so. Um, so I played Unavowed. Um, I thought it was pretty good. I didn't finish it, so for whatever that's worth. I think I probably got about halfway. Um, I don't remember why. I think I just sort of fell off of it. Um, Darks. Oh, you know, I didn't really like Dark Side Detective. And I think that is a little bit, it's not, it's not slapsticky, but I think that is a little bit comical if I remember, if I remember correctly. So I don't think that's what you're looking for. Although back to unavowed, that one definitely is more serious. So it may be worth checking out. A lot of people did like it. Um, there are a couple others that I can recommend resonance. It's which is made. So, uh, Wadget eye games made unavowed and they, they just, this is like just the type of game that they make. They made a game called Resonance a while back that I really, really liked. It's more serious. I mean, there might be some funny parts in it, but it's generally a, a more serious game. Uh, the the graphics look. It's they make like classic looking 
ga- uh, point and click adventure games, and I just love the way I just love their pixel art, and I think again, Resonance they did a, an exceptionally good job in it with it. I really enjoyed this game. I would highly recommend that. Another one that they made is one that I just started playing recently, which is called The Excavation of Hobbs Barrow. It's supposed to be really good, and it's definitely, definitely more serious. It's, 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 it's almost, well, it is. It's like a horror game. It's like a slow burn horror point and click adventure game. It starts off very, very slow. I feel like I'm just to the point where it's where it's kind of starting to to get interesting and let me look and see how many hours I oh, have. No. Uh it's not it's not too crazy. Um, okay. Hobbs Barrow. I have where does it say? <laughs> okay, this is not right. It says I have 13 hours in it. That is definitely not right. I may have like left it paused. Oh yeah, I did leave it paused. <laughs> I did leave it paused. So I have no idea how much time I have it. I would guess like four. And it's just now starting to pick up. So it's, again, very slow start. I do hear that it gets really good, though. So maybe try that out, depending on if, if you want. Resonance is more science fiction. Hobbs Barrow is more kind of like, uh, the best way I heard it described is more like kind of like Wicker Man horror. Um, like uh, slightly supernatural stuff or or at least things that might seem a little bit supernatural. Uh, whereas resident resonance is more is straight up science fi- uh, science fiction, but it's not like space aliens and laser science fiction. It's like uh, creating crazy technology in the modern day world science fiction. Um, so I would recommend I would say go with one of those depending on what you're looking for. Okay, Sven, thank you very much for the emails. We got t- we got two more. Next one is from. I wonder who could be. The next one is from uh, Jonathan, our archivist, who hasn't written in in a while. Unbelievable. His subject line is, hello, it's me. (laughs) Perfect. Hey, gentlemen, just saw Rob's call for emails and figured it's been too long. I'm still an avid listener and enjoy your show as much, if not more than ever. I also really like how you have become, how you have been regularly featuring more guests, and I feel that it helps keep you on your toes. So let's talk games. I know that you all are... I know what y'all are playing. I loved hearing FF, the FF9 talk, by the way. But you don't know what I'm jamming on. Nothing retro. I just beat Persona 5 and I'm currently juggling uh, between... Huh? You haven't played I really, Yeah. No, I really want to. I watched Zach play it a lot. It looks really fun. I keep trying to get Lisa to play it. We, we don't have a, a system for it. I think eventually we probably will, though. Okay. Yes. I'm juggling between Jedi Fallen Order and Xenoblade Chronicles 3. I'd like to try Triangle Strategy... Two? Don't. Don't waste your time. Uh, Dog shit. So, so he just funny. said, have either of you played that one intensely looking at Jay? Yeah, Triangle Strategy. Imagine a really watered down tactics. It is just like basic story, basic like combat, way too easy, and then all of a sudden it gets randomly stupidly hard for no reason. It's like a really watered down attempt at a tactics. It's like A2 had a baby with itself. But wow. It's really bad. Itself. I really didn't like that game. Yeah, I thought it was pretty good. Um, triangle strategy? Yeah. I, I liked it for a while, but like it just like at a certain point I was like, this is it. This is the entire game. It just I don't know. I, I wish there was I wish there was more of like what you did in the game, I wish had a bigger, bigger impact on the overall story for me. It just didn't didn't hit well, hard enough for me. Um I I will say, yes, the story was not very good. Um 
And oh yeah, and actually that was one of the I remember talking about that. Like the story's not good, and they spend a ton of time on the story. Oh <laughs> like, yeah. For how uninteresting the story is, they really go in on it. Um but outside of that, I thought like it, I, I really liked the way it looked and I thought the combat was good. I thought the books books are good. Books are definitely there. Yeah. Uh, but I thought the I combat know, was just, fine. But I mean I, I enjoyed it for a while. It just it just ran its course for me very quickly. And that's sort of when I was just like, I don't I don't know. I really liked it at first, but okay. yeah, it fell apart. 2023 plans to be another great year for gaming, especially for my retro callbacks. We have Sea of Stars, a highly anticipated retro-inspired turn-based RPG that Ooh. reminds me of some of the best SNES ones in Ayudin Chronicles. It's E-I-Y-U-D-E-N Chronicles, which comes from the original team of Swickadin. Oh, okay, Swickadin. Both look really good, but there's a gem that comes out in a few weeks that I don't see any coverage on that is Chained Echoes. If you haven't had a chance to look this one up, I implore you every time I see a trailer, I get excited. I'll, uh, I'm not going to watch this yet myself, but I'll, I'm going to send it to you. If I'll I watch it, actually, that. I'll have it playing without sound in the background, but I'll send you this so you can uh, check it out if you want to. Please. Um... Let's see. And then, so, okay, he's got a question of the day. What game or games are you super excited about that's coming out in the next year or so that isn't on the radar? Not a lot, to be honest with you. I don't, yeah. I'm going to have to pull up a big year. I have to pull up my Steam wish list and see if there's anything. Because every time I hear something that's coming out, I'll just like wish list it on Steam. Um, See if there's anything that fits that. Frosthaven is the most exciting thing to me, which I finally got an email from them. It's supposed to deliver before Christmas. What? Frosthaven, the expansion to Gloomhaven. Oh, okay. The okay. game. Yeah. That I'm more excited about than anything. Um, there's a game. Okay. There's a couple. There's a small game called Ink Illuminati that's coming out that has a really, really cool graphic style. I'm not going to try to describe. Well, it looks like hand-drawn stuff um, in like an old, like middle ages style um that looks pretty interesting i think that's coming out early next year maybe uh potion craft i well it's an early access now i think it's coming out next year it actually honestly it kind of actually has a similar sort of similar art style was a totally different game i don't know that's a weird coincidence uh, I don't know if I really have much. There's not really a whole lot that I'm like really looking forward to that yeah, I can think of. Um, any plans for episode 200? It'll be here before you know it. <laughs> yeah, we're gonna have we have we said what we're gonna do for this? I don't. I don't know. I don't think so. Should we go ahead? It's not. It's nothing crazy, but yeah, maybe we'll say, just go ahead. Maybe fun. we'll just go ahead and say it. We are going to do our list of our ranked list of every RPG we've ever played. That's what we're going to do for episode 200. Um, I've started my list. I don't think Jay has started his. Started my list. There's just nothing on it. Do you still have the link to the Google doc? I think so. Probably. Do you want me to, do you want me to send it to you again? Or is, sure. it, is it even worth it right now? Um, uh, probably not worth it right now. Let's be honest. Okay. Well, whenever you're ready to start putting <laughs> stuff on it, let me know and I'll just send you a link. Because basically what I've been doing is every time I think of a game 
of a of an RPG that I played, I'll get in here, write it down so I don't forget, and then whenever I finish one, or like, not necessarily finish the game, but whenever I'm done playing one, then I'll add it here as well. Um. So yeah, that's the that's our plan for episode two hundred. Every RPG we've ever played in order, like I'll have my own list, Jay will have his own list. So we're going to kind of do like a big list type thing, sort of like how we did uh, on episode 100. Um, I just lost his email. Here we go. Uh, I'll shut up and listen. Keep kicking ass. Big John. P.S. Have you guys ever considered switching communication pl- oh, switching communication platforms if Twitter starts charging subscription fees? Is that is that on the table? I haven't heard that that's going to potentially maybe happen. I don't know. No, we have we haven't really talked about it all. It hasn't really been a topic so far. I don't think. I, so first off, I haven't heard that. Second off, I think that would be the instant death of Twitter if they if they charged you to start yeah. using it. Um, like seems like it may be dying anyways, but like that would, that wouldn't even be the final nail in the coffin. That would be the final bullet through the head. Um, but if Twitter goes to more shit than it is, or if it goes, or if they start charging subscriptions or if for whatever Whatever. reason we need to do something else, no, we have not. Well, I mean, I wouldn't have a problem just stopping using Twitter because I don't think most people, I know people keep up with us there and that would be a shame for them not to be able to, but also most people who find us, I don't think they like find us through Twitter. So it wouldn't really be a big deal if we just stopped using it. Um, Needless to say, I mean, if if it comes up as a topic, Robert and I will talk about it. And if we need to make a change, then we'll talk about it. Yeah. 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 If anything, if we, if, if either one of us feels like we need to do something different, we'll, we'll. Yep. discuss it with the other but um you know for now we're still there who knows what might happen in the coming hours yep. <laughs> like the way things yeah, are true. changing um but i mean yeah it's nothing that we've really talked about if we have to do it i i don't have any problem with just stopping it if it becomes too ridiculous to use i don't have a problem with using something else if that sounds like the best thing to do um it sounds like the big thing that most people are going to who are leaving Twitter is Mastodon, which sounds like it's a little bit more convoluted than it should be for this type of platform. So I don't know if we would go to that or if we would just like stop using social media basically because Facebook sucks and I don't feel like taking the time to learn to use it in this way or to start using it because I just don't use Facebook and I think Facebook sucks ass. So that's not going to happen. Facebook sucks ass. <laughs> yeah, I know. Hot take, right? Um, so that's not going to happen. Uh, I don't really see a point in using in- Instagram actually is something that I use personally. And, uh, but that one, I don't really see a sense in us using it for the podcast. So, like, I don't know what else there would be besides Mastodon. That sounds kind of like a little bit of a mess just from, like, a usability standpoint on its own. So, I don't I don't know if we would go there or just, like, stop using this kind of stuff in general. I don't – who knows? But whatever we do, we'll, we'll – we, if, if any changes take place, we'll talk about it amongst ourselves and obviously we'll let everybody know. But, but I think the bottom line is I'm really not concerned about it either way because, once again, it's not like 
we get a ton of traffic through Twitter. It's a nice way for people who are already following us to kind of keep up with us. But those yeah. people fi- originally found us, I think, usually by just like searching. Like they're like, sounds like what most people do is they say, "Hey, I want to find a podcast on on old retro games or classic games or whatever," and then they eventually stumble upon us, and then they are like, "Oh, okay, I'll subscribe to them," and then they keep it in their in their podcast feed and that's how they get new episodes. So we're, we don't really lose much if we're not on Twitter anymore. All right. Final email from Chase, the night cleaner uh, here. Jay, why don't, why don't, I've been hogging all the fun. Why don't you take this one? I was going to ask you, but uh, Chase says, hello, gentlemen, Chase, the night cleaner here with an email for your video game show. I have a shit ton of snow to shovel. So I'll change things up a bit today. Time for a question of the day. Wait, time for a question of the day. Top five, according to Chase. Five questions I just thought I'd poke, poke thoughts at. One, do you care if Activision Blizzard's sale to Microsoft goes through? I'll let you go first because I probably have a much longer Do I care if the... Okay. I have... I'm not, not trying to make this overly complicated. I have two like opposing thoughts on this. One is that I... I hate to see this type of like unification happening so much. A lot of monopolizing. Be- yes, <laughs> yeah. monopolizing because it's because obviously in in the long term those do not work out great for cons- for consumers. Yeah, I don't really like that. On the other hand, though, Microsoft does okay with the things they buy, and. Activision can't get much much worse right now. Activision Blizzard can't get much worse right now. So I feel like for in this specific case, they could be doing more harm than good. As far as the games that 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 Activision Blizzard makes. So I'm kind of torn. Do I care? I care in both of those ways. Um do I overall think it's good or bad? Am I gonna keep asking myself questions like I'm Michael Scott? Perhaps. Um, do I, I don't know. What do you, I, I, I don't know. I, cause I, I feel equally good and bad about it. I think, what do you, what do you think, Jay? Same deal. Uh, yeah. I, I really don't like the, like I, my understanding is, and I don't really pay attention to a ton of stuff with Microsoft. My understanding is the dude at the helm is a pretty legit dude and he's done a great job and he really does like the video game industry and yada, yada, yada. Cool. The problem is when that guy departs and, and let's say, well, we don't know. He Phil, might Phil be Spencer amazing. is who you're talking about. And yes, I agree with that. That's what I, that's what I, I don't know too much about him. But my concern is at a certain point he's going to leave, and then if the guy comes yes. in, and you know, my expectation is that in the in this year we are going to see Blizzard, Black Division in a whole new light. Uh, I think I think a lot of things are going to change. Uh, probably some for the good. I think my biggest concern is they will want to turn everything mobile. So they are already trying to do stuff with a lot of mobile pieces, which just already scares me. I think mobile gaming is an absolute cancer in the industry and is just way too profitable and lucrative and, you know, all that fun stuff. So that scares the shit out of me. But also, I actually think, even with all that said, it's probably still going to be a better place than it's ever been. Um, Blizzard's products are all circling the toilet right now because they are just so greedy and so ridiculous. I I don't even know how to begin to describe it. I can spend three hours on this, but <laughs> it, they're in a terrible state. So I cannot even imagine them making it even somehow making it worse. It would just really surprise me. Yeah. I, yeah. I mean, I think it sounds like we both pretty much agree on, on both counts. Yeah. Like 
even though I'm uh, philosophically kind of opposed to it, I feel like this is one chance. This is one situation where I'm like, just let him do it. <laughs> You're like, yeah, just yeah, let him it. go Let's ahead. Let's see what happens. Just yep. let him do it, I guess. Okay. Question two: Is Elon Musk actually a good businessman, or has his life story been in right place at uh, right time until Twitter? Oh, that's a good one, actually. That's so topical, too. Jesus. What do you think? I'll go first this time. So. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, every, I think everybody knows Elon Musk comes from a lot of generational wealth. Uh, he, you know, he started up PayPal, I believe, and, and yeah. obviously made a lot of money off of that. Um, I have heard kind of a mixed bag of things. He's obviously a smart dude, but I've heard that a lot of like the tech stuff, a lot of like innovative stuff that he's come up with is just things that he's purchased from other people. And then he knew how to like basically utilize it in the marketplace, which still takes some relevance of business sense. So I, I think it's hard to argue that he's not a smart guy, but he's an absolute fucking piece of shit i mean it, that's obviously been very clear in the last <laughs> last couple weeks here the dude's ego is insane also he's the richest man in the world and complaining about taxes and you know that for me i know this is a very politis or polarizing discussion but it is obscene to me for a billionaire to complain about paying taxes if i am making a billion dollars i i saw a post a long time ago that was uh, you know we should start doing is anybody who achieves a billion uh, becomes a billionaire anything above a billion dollars they it just goes to charity and it goes back to uh, the people and they get a placard that says I won. I won capitalism. <laughs> and, and that always kind of resonated with me because if I ever had a billion dollars or $10 million, I would never complain about money ever again in my entire life. Um, so, you know, teach their own, but that's kind of a snapshot. Yeah. I, I feel kind of like also he, it's probably been more of a case of right place, right time situation. Like, and I also, I mean, I think I a hundred percent agree with everything on this one with you as well. Like, yes, obviously, He's he's smart in in certain ways. I think he may have become like deluded <laughs> with himself yeah, over corrupt. If yeah, you yeah, like I think he's kind of like gotten in this place where he was so successful that he's kind of come to believe that he can do no wrong, and that's kind of made him go off the deep end. Uh, that's that's my take. You know, not based on nothing besides that's what it seems like to me, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. The Twitter thing is just it's such an ego thing, too. It's so crazy to me. But yeah, whatever. I mean, it's great. He lost a bunch of money. Um, <laughs> this whole Twitter thing is hilarious to watch. It, it just gets worse and worse and worse. I, I actually at this point, I'm just like, send it. I'm here for it. This is too fun to watch. Um, yeah. Did you Question see three. like, you oh. know, how obviously there's a situation where he's like, let me know if like everybody's going to, you know, like, let me know if you're good to go. I need you all to start working harder, working longer oh, yeah. hours, but this is going to be great. Like, so email. No me more pay. Board. Yeah. And yeah. then, and then like, so as you also, I'm sure heard, like he shut down the offices because like people just stopped. Like people were, I, I don't know what the, if it was because people stopped working because they were fed up and like enough people quit or I don't know. Like, I know there are a lot of rumors for why he shut down the office. I don't know the exact reasons why, but then he sent out another email saying like, we, I need somebody who can code. Oh <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He flew people in. Yeah. Well, no, no, yeah. it wasn't. He said like, it would be great if you could fly out to meet me. Like, I don't know if he flew. The, I think he was asking them to fly out, to fly themselves I, I out think to he, meet him. He, I believe that part he did tell them to charge it. And also, okay, I think that's you, good. That's good. I think you undersold the piece about wanting to work harder. It was my understanding that it was Twitter 2.0. It was basically a written agreement that you were okay with getting paid the same, but working a lot, a lot harder. So. <laughs> okay. 
Yeah, no, that whole thing was a total meme, and it's just great. And I'm glad that people stood their ground and told them to fuck off. Because, I mean, the people that work at these big tech companies like that, the people who are the infrastructure engineers, they are – there's not a lot of those people. So if you scare those people off, good fucking luck rebuilding that culture. Like, that is, that is like, permanent damage. It's, it's crazy to me, but – So – it is so – it's, like, the, the biggest meltdown of, like, a big uh... – like you know widely used institute like i i guess I, you I, is it safe to call twitter an institution at this point it, it sounds silly but like it's a common everyday thing that many 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 people use on a day-to-day yeah. basis it's so it's amazing to, to watch how it's crashing right now I, I love that tesla stock went down after the after the acquisition too that that was my like cherry <laughs> on the top because it's just like you are pissing off everyone at the same time yeah and, P- and nobody like people you know that like there are Tesla owners now who are embarrassed to be a Tesla owner. How ironic! Everybody wanted one. I, I'm sure. I mean, there's you know obviously people are still going to want them. They're very expensive vehicles, but it's it's just the irony of that because I'm sure there was a lot of like, oh, I wish I had a Tesla, you know, driving on the road. But yeah. <laughs> Anyways, question right. three: What matters more to you in 2022, a game story or a game's mechanics? Mechanics for sure. Story story is important, but don't get me wrong. I would say like a 40 60 split. Mechanics have got to be good. I mean, a, a good story with a dog shit system is just dull. But a, a fun mechanic game with a bad story, I can still play it. I can just fast forward through the story. I'm gonna say that I don't that I don't have a preference one over the other as long as like the combined total adds up to a good game. I've played. Oh, that's such a cop out answer. I know, but it, it is. Yes, but, but it's but it's <laughs> but it's true. Like one of my favorite games of all time, Dear Esther. All you do in that game is walk through is walk around an island while a story is told like in your head and i love the story and i love the music in that alone i was like i don't mind just playing this is an actual walking simulator you, there's no mechanic besides the only mechanic is you have a flashlight that you can shine on stuff you don't push buttons you don't do anything you just walk through this island uh and i absolutely love that game there are other games where there's a there the story is crap or there is no story but the mechanics are fun that's that's good too it just if it adds if the total sum of all of its parts adds up to something awesome then I'm I'm on board okay uh number four what is one franchise you really miss ooh oh geez I, it's it take me an hour to figure out probably yeah. uh hmm. I guess I guess the um X-Wing TIE Fighter franchise. Mm. One of the greatest of all time. People just kind of don't play that type of stuff anymore. Um, so yeah, it's understandable that it's kind of died, but that one for sure. I'm skimming through just my Steam library, even though that's obviously not going to give me too much information. Yeah, I'm trying to think of like what I would... Oh, sorry. Um, I'm trying to think of a franchise that I miss. Yeah, up until recently, it was, it was Monkey Island. Uh, I guess the Maniac Mansion slash Day of the Tentacle franchise, like that would that would be a fun one to to get to revisit. I'm trying to think what else. I don't really know. I'm sure I have an answer to this. I just don't know exactly what it would be. That's about all I've got. I think. I'm sorry. I don't have a good answer for this one, Chase. Yeah. That's a, t- that's a good question, but I can't, yeah, I'm having a little tough, little problem, a little tough time answering it. Uh, number five, name one game you feel is entirely overhyped. 
Oh gosh. Uh, I'm sure there. Okay. I'm sure we're talking about classic here. So I'm sure there are many, but I'm having trouble racking my brain to come up with them. Uh, Donkey Kong Country. Oh, that's a, that's mean. Triangle strategy. I'm kidding. Uh, oh, I got. I'll, I'll, this is gonna be kind of newer, but all the Pokemon games after like silver and gold. I, I, the new Pokemon game came out. I watched some videos of it, and I know this is. I, I'm gonna kind of date this back to the old, some of the older ones too. But I watched. There's apparently some pretty big issues with the new Pokemon oh, game, really? like a system issue. Apparently, gets really laggy in certain places. There are a lot of like very basic graphics on it. There's a lot of bugs of it. Yeah, and and for me, it's like I feel like every time they make a new iteration of Pokemon, it just gets further and further and further away from what makes Pokemon good. And I I have not liked really any of the Pokemon as much as some of the older ones. I think a lot of nostalgia plays into that too. But I think the simplicity of the older Pokemon games really is what ties me in. And I, I it's insane to me how quickly they're pumping them out at this point too. Because Arceus just came out, what, last year? This year? Which one? Arceus. Arceus? Yeah, What's Pokemon that? Arceus. It's a Switch game. I, uh, I don't even know. I don't really keep up with Pokemon because... Never... Hunter loves them. It came out January of this year. So a second Pokemon game in the same year. Now they're not exactly the same game, but they're still, you know, in the same idea. Um, another one that I just, another franchise that I just thought of that I really miss is uh, F Zero. Okay, not a huge F Zero person, but I can understand that. Um, and then after that, he says, "Thank you all for what you do and for this little part of your show." Uh, thanks again, and we'll talk again soon. Cheers, Chase Night Cleaner. Thank you, Chase. Okay. So we have we were talking about this right before the episode started. We got So basically even though it's not even Thanksgiving yet, I think we're going to have one more episode before the end of the year, just the way our schedules are going to work out and in the holidays and all that. That's going to the way it's planned is we are going to be one episode late on the next one. And so it's the plan is to record our last episode of the year on December 18th, almost a month from now. Um, so th- that means that that will be our game of the quarter episode where we're going to talk about Chibi Robo. Um, so if you want to play that, if you want to write in your th- thoughts on it, do so. And just make sure you email us mail at classicgamingpodcast.com. Excuse me, by December 18th. Um, am I, is there anything, am I leaving anything else out, Jay? Is that, is there anything else we need to okay. let people know about before we go? Happy holidays. Happy, Be safe. Happy holidays. Enjoy follow, your time with your family. Yeah, try to at least. Um, follow us at Class Gamescast <laughs> while you can. Um, like I said, mail at Classic Gaming Podcast. That's our email address. Send us whatever you want to. You can follow me. I'm at King Octavius. Oh, you know what? I think I'm going to do. I forgot to do this like the past two or three episodes, but I released another song a month or two ago. Oh, cool. And I just figured I'd keep promoting them on here <laughs> since I, since I can do that. So um, I'm going to, I'm going to write a note here. I'm going to tack it on to the end of this episode. So if you want to hear uh, the, the most recent song that I've released, just hang around for a minute and that'll be here let's see um pose add song to end 
Um, this is called uh, Boarding Year Teal. And my uh, the name that I'm using as a uh, as a musician is Robot Octopus. That's how you, that's where you can find yeah. me. The best place is Bandcamp, but I mean I'm on I'm on Spotify and all that kind of stuff too. Uh, so so hang around if you want to if you want to listen to that. And I think that does it for this episode. So yes, like Jay said, please have a good holiday. Please have a good Thanksgiving. Have everything good that comes after that and in between and all that kind of stuff. Be safe. Have fun. Uh, and we'll see you guys in uh, December for Game of the Quarter. Wake up. until the end of the year.
Where do they sing?